have such sights to show you. Welcome, everyone, to the B-Team Podcast and to my nightmare. We are back with another Halloween show. I've done 60s horror. We've done 70s horror. We're going to give the people what they want and hit the horror heyday of the 1980s. And now, without further ado, let me introduce our very special guest. What made you so special? Nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. This is Frank Stout Jr., a.k.a. Just a Guy from Brooklyn. Reviews and rankings. Hit it up on YouTube or on Instagram at Just a Guy from Brooklyn 321. Well, Frank, welcome to the B-Team podcast. It is an honor to have you here. Uh, we have been trying to get you here for a while. I think all the way back when the guys did Rathacon. And I know you had done a couple of ranking videos that we could have kind of tied in, but you know, as fate would have it, our, our schedules just didn't work out. Um, Frank is a fellow horror fan. He has a wonderful, growing YouTube channel. Does a lot of ranking videos, not just horror movies, a lot of fun stuff. Um, he's into Marvel movies, so stuff that everybody here listens to as well. Uh, we met in a Facebook group called Killer Flicks. Uh, unfortunately, at this time, I am no longer a member. Not by choice, but I will definitely give them a shout out. It's it's a great community, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of cool people there, much like Frank. And you have been in the YouTube game how long now? Uh, just one year. We're, we're we're coming up on that one year anniversary now. Uh, you know, I, it, it, I've been, my my channel's been growing slowly every every month. Try to put out some sort of new content. And it's really just kind of like a throw it up there and see if it sticks. Yeah, absolutely. I see you're almost at 250 subscribers. I know your uh, vampire ranking video has hit over 5,000 views, which is awesome. So, you know, just keep keep pounding that pavement. And uh, Frank has a wonderful, lovely support system, just as I am fortunate to have one. And uh, maybe sometime in the future we can get her on here as well. Absolutely, yes. Roxanne Salazar, my other half, my better half. Uh, she would definitely love to do something like that. All right, so let's get into why we are here today. I mean, pretty much the people who are listening know that this is the B-Team podcast, and in this case, uh, restricted audience only, which will be our inevitable future YouTube channel. 
when we get the time to get that up and running. Uh, we are doing top 80s horror movies. So for the last couple years, you know, I'm big on Halloween. Always wanted to do something a little special. Uh, I broke my back metaphorically doing daily reviews. I started with my favorite decade, I believe your favorite decade, the 70s. Uh, and then last year, kind of teased that we were going to do the 80s, but there wasn't enough people interested in it in our group. So I said, ah, screw it, I'm going to run with the 60s. Uh, by the way, we, we can curse on here, feel free. Um, you know, it's it's a family show, but it's a family with understanding. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> You know, 60s, uh, they have some great, great horror movies. But let's be honest, when people think horror movies that you can enjoy as a family, you can show to kids that they'll be talking about for decades to come, it's the 1980s. And, uh, you know, we're both big into ranks. We both have letterbox. So, uh, you know, I've always been updating my list. I think I did 100. I kept going. I was like, I got to cut this down to 100. Um, and I think you have either a top hundred or like a top 50. I have a top 60 around that number. Okay. But, uh, as far as eighties movie, eighties is, is actually my cup of tea in general movies, you know, um, cause, cause I was born in the seventies, but I was very limited in what I could watch as far as horror movies. Cause I was raised in, in a Christian household. So you know, they, they they would never take me to the theater to see a horror movie. Uh, if I tried to watch a horror movie, they would be like, uh, stay away from that. They wouldn't really encourage me to do that. So it wasn't until, like, I hit my teens, which was in the 80s, I got me a membership to a video, you know, my local video store, and uh, I went apeshit. I, I, I the, the, you know, the floodgates opened. I especially on the weekends, I would rent like two, three movies a day and just run through them. And I kind of just did a lot of catching up when it came to horror. I will say this, the 70s, for me, the 70s have the big banger movies, like the movies that kind of like started things. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think this, I think the 70s has that over the 80s. The 80s are a little lighter, a little bit more on the cheese. You know, but mm -hmm. I love that eighties cheese. I love that eighties cheese. So I, I like I like that kind of flavor to it. You know, and, and and then when it comes to like horror, the MPAA has been fucking shit up, you know, throughout the decades. And in the seventies they kind of just let people do what they wanted to do when they were making movies. Um but but then in the eighties they started to like crack down. Especially during like the mid '80s. Oh yeah, I mean we've talked about that on yeah. the podcast previously. The uh, infamous video nasties, and um, what a lot of people don't even know—you'll hear the term. You know, this film was prosecuted, and I've I've heard people make jokes like, "What are you going to like put a, a movie on trial?" Uh, yeah, they actually did. More importantly, they put like the filmmakers on trial, and in a number of instances, a couple of them actually like went to jail or, or had like serious summons. So, yeah, they, they took that shit very seriously in the U.K. in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, I've heard those stories. You know, here, the worst that will happen is they give you an X rating, but then your theater's not going to, nobody's going to, no, no theaters are going to get your movie, you know, and, and then you're not going to make any money. So right, exactly. It was, that was the big problem. If, if they gave you that X rating, you either had to cut your movie down and make it a little bit more family-friendly or you had to put it out there and let the chips fall where they may. There was a few, like, you know, horror movies, 
like Maniac, where they said to hell with it, we're gonna do the X rating, and they actually made some money out of like word of mouth. So I, you know, those are like to me movies like that were kind of like, you know, historically significant for horror. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, Maniac, yeah. you know, was a different kind of slasher to begin with because it's the point of view of the killer. It's a lot of that first person, like kind of Giallo bridge. Uh, but more importantly, I would say it's the best New York horror movie. I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't argue that. And 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 I love the fact that it's gritty, it's dirty, and and that it was filmed guerrilla style. Like these guys, they didn't have any money to really make the movie. They funded themselves, and then they would go film these scenes in New York, and and they would have to film the scene, then run because the cops would show up or something. Yeah, they, they didn't have any permits or anything. It was crazy. So you know that movie is just so big for that reason. I, I, I it's one of those movies that it, it's a little rough to watch for like a mainstream guy to just check it out. But for a horror fan, it's like it's candy. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Pure candy. It's, it's funny because Sarah's tastes are, you know, she definitely likes a lot of what I would call deep cut extreme horror. Um, believe it or not, given the things that you know that she likes, like things like Night of the Demon, she actually hates gore. Uh, something like Demons she can watch because she knows it's all just fantastical, but more realistic slashers like New York Ripper, like Maniac, she has a hard time actually just watching the screen and she'll actually look away. She couldn't make it through Maniac the first time I showed it to her. I was very surprised. I mean, and that's, you know, a movie from 1981 just holds up this many years later. Yeah, yeah, and... and, and... You know, that's the thing about the 80s. As the years went through that decade, guys had to, when they were making these movies, they had to kind of adjust. You know, that's why you saw Jason go to space and, you know, and, you know, stuff like that. Was, oh, well, we can't do what we normally do. We have to switch it up, make it a little bit more, you know, kooky, throw more comedy to it. And, and, and it ruined it for us horror fans, I felt. You know, when you, when you get that, you know, when you get those final movies of those big franchises, it's like, what do they do? You you know, you, you you have no idea at the time. You're like, what the hell are they doing? You know? Oh, yeah. Why I they, mean, the, why are they the messing late, with the formula? The mid-90s into thousands was when a lot of these things got their, you know, final installments or, or revivals. And, I mean, they're all touch and go. They're all hit and mess. Um, there's a couple where they did change, basically, the genre, like, I love Texas Chainsaw, too. I mean, I know it's a horror comedy. I know it's an over-the-top satire. I love the original, but that one is far and away my favorite. And I usually skew away from horror comedy. Like, it's got to be just really all-around funny. It's got to land. You know, for me, I'm, I'm probably the harshest judge when it comes to comedy. Um, but just to give these guys a shout-out, there is a phenomenal series. It's, I believe it's on Shudder, probably on Tubi at this point. Uh, it's the eighties horror doc. It's called in search of darkness. They're now up to like volume five, but they did a, a three volume set on the eighties. And if you're curious about eighties horror, if we don't hit the whole history, cause you know, we won't have enough time here right now. Uh, definitely check it out. It's probably like, I don't know, 22 hours in total, just the eighties part, but absolutely worth it. Uh, they get a lot of fun cameos, a lot of like YouTube reviewers, people would know that are in the horror community. Uh, right now, they're doing one on the early 90s up to 94 called The Lost Decade. So I'm, I'm interested to check that one out. 
Um, but going back to our thing, we basically put together a series of topics. And uh, the first thing we're going to cover was what was the first 80s horror movie you saw, either in theaters, at home? So for me, uh, it, I... I, I... Definitely saw some horror at home on television. Obviously, when it's on TV, it's highly edited. Right. But I definitely, I definitely do remember that, like the Friday, the first like two or three Friday Thirteenths, they would marathon them like on the weekends and stuff like that. And I remember watching them big time. Um, but the first horror movie I saw in theaters, it was it, an aunt and uncle of mine took me to see Psycho Two. And it was like when the, the the debut that it came out, and uh, I hadn't seen the first Psycho, so I, I I was like a deer in the headlights. I went in there, I didn't know what I didn't know I didn't even know what the movie was about. Walked out of there with my jaw dropped, and I've loved the movie ever since. I I, I it, it's just so such a great you know twisted movie. And a lot of these, a lot of horror movies don't, they have that whodunit, they have that, but you can usually figure out, you know, a smart person is going to figure out way before the end of the movie who did it. I really believe this is one of those where you have no fucking clue. You have no idea. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's it's one of the few that's like, oh, okay, that's the killer? Okay. All right. Wasn't expecting that. And then, you know, it, it just was special to me. You know, I really wasn't into slashers at that point. I liked those Friday the 13th movies. But um, they, that, that, was, that was really something special for me. And I, I've been a, a fan of the, of the, the Psycho franchise. I, I, I know there are, like, purists who feel like they should the movie should have never had a sequel. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not in that camp. You know, I, I love all the sequels. Even that made-for-TV one, you know, that part four. Oh, the, the original Bates Motel, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, part four was actually, I think, on Showtime. It was like a Showtime. It wasn't in theaters. Well, there, there's Psycho 4, and then there was one in, like, 1990 or 93 called Bates Motel. Right, the original Bates Motel before the new Bates Motel. Yep. Yeah, I'm talking about Psycho 4 specifically. Okay. Yeah, because Psycho 4 was not meant, didn't come on theaters. It was like a Showtime thing, I think. I think yes, it was a yes, you are. Showtime correct. special or something. So I, and, and I thought it was good, man. I, you know, I, I thought it was pretty damn good. So I, I, I think it's one of the few franchises where all the, all the movies are solid. You know, all, you, you can't really say that about too many. I know a lot of people say Scream, a lot of people say, you know, but, but, I, I, I put it up against any franchise as far as having solid sequels. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's definitely got some really good sequels. Um, Psycho 3 probably won't be for everyone. It's pretty weird, but, you know, give it a shot. Uh, probably the most controversial thing that I'm going to say, and it's funny because, you know, people who, who do listen to the podcast, they know mostly just given our our relative ages or how we came to the movies, a lot of us saw the sequels in a given franchise, especially like the direct number two, uh, before we saw the first one. That's just because it was more played on TV. It was maybe more kid-friendly or just we had more access to the VHS. Uh, things like Ghostbusters, Terminator 2, that's you know usually how that goes. For me, 
I did not see Psycho 2 first. I saw the original probably, you know, when I was like 10, 13. Um, when I did finally see Psycho 2, just like you, it, it completely blew me away. And shout out to Jennifer Tilly because she was the nude body double for her sister in that movie. Um, Matt Tilly was, was phenomenal in that movie. I mean, that was probably her best role to this day. Um so, yeah, with Psycho 2, I will put it on the record. I prefer that to the original. And uh, Sarah is a psycho purist. Like, I, I tried showing her that movie, and she was like, I, I can't. It's just a slasher. Nothing will replace the original. I was like, all right, I know when to pick my battles. Uh, but real quick, there is something that we forgot. You have a, uh, a line, a catchphrase that you do in all your YouTube videos. And because we're going to be going down some lists and talking about some movies... Uh, it applies here. Why don't you give the people at home your two rules? Oh, okay. Uh, so I, before any video, especially rankings, I have two specific rules that I always put out there because, listen, the, the, the internet is undefeated, man. You do not want to take on people, whether they be trolls or just a casual fan. People are very passionate about the, the movies that they love. So I always give two rules. Rule number one is spoilers. I let them know up front whether or not there will be spoilers. I, I usually either give like a medium or hard spoiler warning. With something like 80s movies, I say we give a hard spoiler. Like, these movies are crazy old, right? So why why, mm-hmm. why even bother trying to save, you know, save that, you know? So I would, I would say we give it a hard, a hard spoiler warning. Because sure. I, I don't mind talking about the ending of a movie, yeah, you know. And my rule number two would be would, is always, you know, the, my list, your list. It's a favorites list. It's not a best list. If I if I wanted to give you a best list, it would be a, a completely different list. You know, people have nostalgia for certain movies, no matter how bad they are, or vice versa. You know, it, it, it you know. People get it's it's all subjective, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I the, the brand new Exorcist movie that just came out. Everybody's killing this movie. I thought it was a pretty good movie, and I, I, you know, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's just that's just how it is in this kind of business. Yeah, you know what no, I mean? Like, you, so, so you know, that's that's the way. That's the bet. The best way you can do is just be honest with yourself and with your audience. So. You know, Absolutely. And I mean, and I, I think that's we, that's the most important thing that you learn, not even on day one, but before that. And kudos to you, because there's so many people who just can't separate the two, not only fans and, and viewers, but even reviewers and critics sometimes. Um, you know, there is a difference between favorites and best. And I mean, I'll be fully aware to say, you know, there are some really just objectively bad movies that I love, you know. Exorcist 2. It is not a good movie. It is not a well-made movie, but it entertains the shit out of me, and I'm not going to not enjoy it, you know? I feel you on that, man. I feel you on that. I'm actually uh, saving Exorcist 2 for, for a special night, you know what I mean? I haven't seen it, ironically. Once just, you do, we'll, we'll definitely just, talk about it. Because, yeah, just because uh, just uh, I've heard so much bad, negative stuff, I said, you know, the the irony would be is if I watch this movie and I kind of like it, man. Yeah, it's definitely possible, man. It's definitely possible. 
Absolutely. Um, so for my first 80s movie that I saw, uh, I have mentioned this on the podcast previously. I was fortunate enough to have an aunt who was only nine years older, and she loved horror movies. Um, she was really big on, like, Full Moon, Empire, all the Charles Band movies. So the very first one that I saw, and I was way too young, I think it was six or seven, uh, was the 1988 Stuart Gordon movie Dolls. Absolutely love this movie. It's basically Italian child's play, but it's not like a single doll that's possessed by a serial killer. Uh, it's definitely got a fantasy element, but I mean, it was Stuart Gordon and it's just gore and some really, really serious themes. And then in the next scene, like, you know, the man child is joking with the little girl. The little girl was great. Um, you know, it looks like a kid movie. It's absolutely not a kid movie, uh, especially in, in today's world, but still holds up. Really enjoyed it. Uh, from there, you know, we moved on to Puppet Master, and then she would watch some of the more adult-oriented movies, and she would either leave the room or fall asleep, and I would just be sitting there. So I saw things like Reanimator and From Beyond way too early. But when she was there, she would always fast-forward over, like, the nudity and stuff to the point that when I got older and actually saw these movies in full for the first time, quote-unquote, as an adult... I didn't remember half the stuff that she had blocked out. So she did a good job with that. <laughs> Kudos. Um, so let's go to our most underrated and just recommendations to people listening. Um, so we're basically going to volley back and forth as to who goes first. Uh, and I pretty much based that on, you know, who had more to say. And there's a lot of stuff where you had me just blown out of the water. So, you know, I'm definitely interested in your take. Um, so for this one, I'm going to run point. And most underrated horror movie uh, of the 1980s, I'm going to make the bold claim this is of all time, Possession, 1981. Uh, this is a foreign film. It stars Sam Neill, Event Horizon, Jurassic Park, uh, Omen 3. You know, Sam Neill probably has never turned in a bad performance, and that includes Jurassic Park 3. But the MVP of this movie is an actress by the name of Isabel Adjani. Every year when the Oscar nominations come out, I always make a post saying, you know, we live in a world where, and I'll, I'll pick somebody that I would say is undeserving at the time, has an Oscar, and Isabel Adjani does not. I mean, that subway scene alone, um, this isn't even a movie that, like, you can spoil. It's so dense. It's so just packed full of content and themes. On its surface, it's about a couple that is breaking up and divorcing in real time. Then you get into this whole element of, like, Lovecraftian monsters. There's doppelgangers. There's affairs. There's murder. I mean, it is just batshit, off-the-wall insanity. And given that, it is, like, a very dense, slow burn. But if you give it a shot and you can make it through... I mean, this is an Oscar-caliber horror movie through and through. Uh, absolutely not for normies, not for people who are going to be on their phone and, and don't have the time to devote to it. Um, this one, I actually, my, my birthday's tomorrow, and they just put out a brand new set from Umbrella, which is out of Australia. I jumped on that right away, and I just got the shipping confirmation, so... 
Hopefully it'll be here by Thanksgiving, but I'm definitely looking forward to blowing that one away right as soon as it comes in. Um, the next one I have, and I know you covered this recently, is another film from 1988, The Unholy. Um, I mean, you, you saw this. You, you covered this more recently than I did. What are your thoughts on that one? I enjoyed The Unholy immensely, immensely. I, I, I was very surprised by the effects towards the end of the movie. Like, you know, some really solid practical effects. Because it, it did look pretty much like a low-budget affair. Mm-hmm. But it surprised me with those effects at the end. They obviously used a large amount of their budget for those effects. They were great at the end of that movie. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I do, I do like, you know, some nudity in my movies. And that definitely had a nice little, you know, good share. Um, I liked, you know, the story was very simple. You know, I, I, it was very easy to follow. I only watched it once, but I, you know, I was all in. I, I was enjoying all of it. Um, I, I did laugh, I chuckle a little when, when the, the main, uh, the, I think she was a waitress working at that nightclub or whatever. Mm-hmm. She kept, she kept like, she just announced that at, at no point where she, she was, she said she was a virgin, and I just was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see that coming because, I mean, the, the nightclub in question is like a BDSM club. Yeah, like a satanic club. Boy Meets World. <laughs> uh, basically, the plot of the movie, there's a, a really hot succubus slash sex demon that appears as a redhead who wears like the, the sheerest nighty imaginable. And she's kind of just tempting priest. And, you know, is she a woman? Is she a demon from hell? Um, it's very Hellraiser adjacent and especially the, the practical effects with the monster you're alluding to towards the end. It's not for everybody. It's definitely sleazy, but if you enjoy those kind of movies, uh, I would highly, highly recommend it. I have a question for you. Yeah, before you jump in, uh, dolls, that's the one where there's like this house in the middle of nowhere. Yep, they they go in and like the dolls are all around the home and they like come to life, correct? Yep, absolutely. Yes, okay. Love, I saw that and I loved that. I loved it, and the story itself was so interesting. Oh yeah, so, it's, it's yeah. Like basically, like a dark gothic fairy tale. I mean, like I said, the main character is like a five year old girl, and her parents are are going through like a divorce. They're just at each other's throats, and then there's yes. this other traveler who's like a pure of heart man child and uh, the people who own the house are, you know, basically like a, a warlock and a witch, but they're nice. They just kind of like, I guess a little bit jigsaw. Like they want to test the people to see who's like pure of heart and who's, you know, worthy of, of kind of like taking up the house after them. Um, and they, they frame the whole thing through like one dark night. I always love like when stories, are locked in. You mean you'll see a lot of like uh, contained horror thrillers on here, and um, you know it, it sets the pace, it sets the tone, and it's it's a short watch. It's it's a good movie. Very underrated, in my opinion. Um. So my next one for underrated recommendation. I don't know if you've seen this one or not. Scarecrows from 1988. I have not. I have not. So this one, I'll give you the plot. If you have seen it, you'll know immediately. 
there's a bunch of bank robbers that have abducted a father and daughter and they're flying the getaway plane and they basically crash down in a haunted field that is overseen by the ghosts of this farm and they've turned into evil killer scarecrows. And that's basically like the whole movie. They're just all stranded on this farm and the scarecrows kind of like come to life and are taking out the bank robbers. And, you know, you're trying to figure out if they're helping the people, if they're hunting everybody, the atmosphere is insane. And it's, it's really hard to find. Unfortunately, it's out of print right now. Um, I believe it's one of those ones that's so obscure. It's, it's either, if it's not on Tubi, you could find the whole thing like uncut on YouTube. Definitely worth a look. Um, especially if you like Scarecrow movies. And there's there's not a lot of Scarecrow movies, unfortunately. That, that is true. They, they really do need to, like, you know, kick out a few. Just, you know, big time. Uh, my next one, and I only have, I think, two more, and then I, I have a slasher recommendation. Um, next one is Burial Ground, 1981. Now, this is the guy that is responsible for Malabimba which I know you've seen. And uh, this is just that, that batshit movie about all the people in, like, the uh, the villa and these really low-budget zombies just come back and decimate fucking everybody. And this movie is known for having the kid, Michael, who is dubbed by a guy who sounds like he's 50, and he's played by a... I, I don't know if he was a dwarf or he had some kind of you know, genetic condition, but he's playing like a 12 year old and he also looks 15. Yeah. I, I'm like, what is that 45 year old man doing with that, with that old, with that lady? Yeah. Is, is that, is that her son? Is, is he trying to be her son? I was cracking up during that whole thing. And then like, he got like incestuous yeah. with her at one point, which made it even better. It's so fucking bizarre, and it just keeps ratcheting up. And, um, you know, a lot of people, especially nowadays, they'll see a movie and they'll clap. I'm one of the people that kind of looks around and I'm like, you know, I don't say it out loud, but I'm thinking, like, why why are you clapping for this? There are few, few movies I have seen that genuinely make me break out into applause. The way that this movie ends, there is a smash cut to a text block that's misspelled all over the place. Looks like an old 80s Japanese video game with the localization errors. And it says, uh, you know, the, the, the ground will crack open and blah, blah, blah. And it says prophecy of the black spider. This was never referenced or mentioned in the movie. It has no bearing on anything. And then the credits just start. I applauded because it's just so fucking absurd. It's like, how could this possibly end? And it basically doesn't. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely one of those movies that I would put on for somebody else just to watch their reaction. Absolutely. Like, I did that for Sarah that, a week ago and she was just yeah. bewildered. <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely like would be a, a a high title to put on for something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And the last one that I had was The Other Hell, which is a Bruno Mattei movie, Bruno Mattei, uh, who also went by the moniker of Vincent Dawn. Um, he did a lot of like really sleazy stuff. He did some straight up porn and he did a lot of just, you know, phoned in zombie island in the Philippines. This one is basically if the nun came out in 1981 and it was by an Italian director. 
It's absolutely bonkers. There are possessed nuns. There's incest, abortion stories, you know, priests being tempted. I mean, it's anything that you could throw at the wall with demons and exorcisms and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then the slasher that I had as a recommendation was Death Spa, which I love killer workout as much as you do. But in terms of the the nudity, the kills, the setting, the crazy ass story that you don't know what's going on until the very end, Death Spa is a movie that if you watch it for the first time, you will not be disappointed. I agree. And it's it's way more supernatural than killer workout is like. It's- yeah. It's got that supernatural element that's missing in Killer Workout. I agree. Uh, so let's pass it over to you for your recommendations. So I'm a I'm a big slasher fan, and and you know most people they've seen the Freddies, they've seen the Jasons, they've seen the Michaels, but they may not know about you know these other kind of niche slashers that are big in the horror community. But these are these are like movies that I would recommend to somebody who likes those kind of movies but wants to see something different. Uh, My first one would be Intruder, which is a supermarket slasher. And uh, what I love about this movie is it's really, really simple. It's got your basic slasher premise. It's a whodunit. You, you, You don't know who's doing the killing. But what makes it unique for me is, number one, it's kills are, there's some kills in there that I have not seen in any other movie, uh, you know, uh, and, and and they were so good that they were actually imitated in, in a 90s slasher series called Fear Street that came out on Netflix. I'm like, oh, wow. They took that from they took that from Intruder. I'm like, OK. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice the uh, the slicer kill. Yeah, I was like, that was a nice little homage to to, to Intruder. So. Uh, I, I, another thing is this movie has zero nudity. Nobody's taking off their clothes. No, you know, nobody's showing any skin. It's just not that type of movie. And yet it's so good that you kind of, you're like, you go with it and, and it's, it's a good movie. Even without that, you don't, you know, you don't necessarily need that. It's nice when it has it, but you know, this movie can stand on its own without it. And that's how good it is. Uh, the next one would be like a, a, a next step up, and that would be the Prowler. Oh yeah, I, be- I believe the Prowler had a different title at one point. I think it had a different title, but I can't remember what the title is. Yeah, I think it was like the the Sweetheart Killer or something. Yes, alluding to like yes. the yeah, because it was all about like somebody went off to war, and then while they were out, you know, at war. Their sweetheart at home decided to leave him, left him a letter. And so the killer wears like military garb mm-hmm. and kills people with like military weapons, which made it very unique. But again, this was actually, um, uh, uh, this was famously done by, uh, I can't, why is his name escaping me? Uh, Tom Savini. Tom, right. This is the famous Tom Savini who did Friday the 13th. Did Maniac, you know, he did all these the effects for all these great movies, but I think his the, the, what he the work he did in this, it's it to me it's better. It's better than those other movies that he did. You know, I agree with uh, you. 
The, yeah. the kills in this movie are next level for a slasher of 81, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I mean, just the little details that he put in. Uh, there's a kill where somebody gets stabbed over the head with a knife. And when he gets stabbed, his eyes roll back and go pure white. Like, mm-hmm. things like that um, that made it special. And, um, you know, the, the kills are almost at the forefront. So They're so good that you forget what the story's about. Like, the story's almost secondary. You could give two shits about who the killer is by the end of the movie. Like, yeah. Okay. You know, okay, okay, that's the killer, whoever. You know, that's how, you know, it, 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 it was it was that that special for that reason. And this does add the this definitely does add the nudity that was like kind of you know missing in something like intruder. Like mm-hmm. movies like this would be like the this would be like the rum and cokes, the entry level type thing that you would want to get somebody who's just getting into horror. If they wanted to get into slashers, these are two movies that I would toss at them first. Say, check these two movies out. This would be that that screwdriver, that rum and coke, that entry level, you know, that that the entry level uh, California roll. Somebody who didn't, who's never eaten sushi before. This is what you give them to start them off, to get them going. You know that 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 would be. And then my third movie would be something more cream of the crop. And to me, that's My Bloody Valentine. Uh, I think that My Bloody Valentine does everything that a slasher does, but just on, at the at the highest level. You know, it's not just a group of people getting killed. There's They throw a little bit more backstory to these people. There's a little bit more to it. There's a love triangle. So you can't, you know, when when you add something like that to, a, you know, a very simple slasher movie, to me it gives it it gives it a little bit more power because you get you you get involved, you get invested in these characters. So, Absolutely. So you know, my bloody and then for me, it's all about no matter what, the slasher is all about the kills. And I stress it, I cannot stress this high enough. If you're going to see my bloody Valentine, you have to see the uncut version. Yes, because it's two different movies, and we did not My have that footage for about 30 years. Uh, Scream Factory finally put it out, and it is 100% worth it. Um, it's available on the one they put on the Steelbook. I think they're doing a 4K. Definitely, definitely, if you're into physical media at all, or if you can rent that version, highly, highly recommended. Uh, just to jump in real quick, because this was a, a fun observation for us, I think it was watching that movie when Sarah and I made the connection that the name Sarah appears in horror movies more than almost any other female name. And a hundred and something movies later, we think it's because it's a biblical name and, you know, writers are are more to go to that well than anything. And it probably adds like, you know, subconscious emotional stakes for people. But if you start to look at a list of not even eighties horror, just any horror, the name Sarah appears just over and over and over again. It's insane. That is interesting. That is interesting. Uh, my next would be a movie called Witchery. Which, yes. Um, I, I don't remember how I found the movie, but I watched it. And um, 
I, I think I watched it because I, I, I saw something online and it said that it had um, David Hasselhoff in it. And also, like, Linda Blair plays a part. So I'm like, a, a horror movie with both David Hasselhoff and Linda Blair? I said, I got to check this out. Just, I don't care how bad it is. And to my surprise, it was fantastic. And the kills in this are like almost these kind of like dreamlike ghostly kills mm-hmm. where where you almost get transported somewhere else and then these people are just killing you in all types of ways. Oh my god. There's one there's there is a scene that's kind of like a, a almost like a rape scene where somebody's being raped by a ghost. That took me back. Uh the the kills are what really did it for me. The only thing that I can say negatively about it is it's got Linda Blair in it, and the end of it was, the, I think it was a bad choice. Mm-hmm. They chose to have her be possessed after after The Exorcist. You're going to make a movie and have Linda Blair be possessed again? Oh, they, they marketed the whole movie that oh way. Oh, my here. God. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? I mean, and you know, when you, if you're going to go that way, there's no way. There's just no way you're gonna ever top what she did before. But listen, you know, she she carved out a nice little career for herself, you know, making these lower, you know, lower budget movies here and there. She, oh yeah. Yeah, she she definitely has a nice little filmography. You know, I I, I found a few good ones, so and this was right after uh, Savage Street. So, I mean, this was like, you know, the height of her powers. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. I, this is definitely something I would recommend because this is something that I'm pretty sure very few people have seen. Like, this is just one of those that's like kind of like really got to look for it, you know? So what's, what's interesting about that um, here, not a lot of people have seen it in Italy and in Europe. They released this as La Casa 4, where they kind of combined House and Evil Dead and just started releasing movies under the banner of La Casa. Uh, so here it did get a Scream Factory double release with Ghost House, which was released as La Casa 3. Uh, two very, very different movies. That one is kind of more like uh, Poltergeist, but Italian. Um, so it, it has had a recent revival, but it's definitely unseen unheard of so yeah great pick and my final one would be humanoids from the deep uh somebody <laughs> recommended yes. somebody recommended this to me and just the title alone had me rolling my eyes i'm not a big creature feature guy like you know i really don't like the the, the kind of cheap cheesy ones i i love my jaws i love like the more high end stuff you know, alien jaws, but when it comes to like the cheaper stuff, I I, I have trouble getting into them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one like took me back for a couple of different reasons. Um, number one, uh, the story was really good. The story was really good. It was all like in this like fisherman town, and uh, you know, once again they added like a subplot. Like, you know, with, like, the townies and then, like, there was, like, these Native Americans and there was, like, the struggle with, the, with the you know, with the, I guess, with their fisherman business or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they added more to it. They added a little bit more meat to the bone 
as far as storylines that gave people a reason to, you know, to have some sort of arc. Uh, but meanwhile, there's these like creatures coming out of the water and they're attacking people. They raping everybody. And 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 that was the thing. Like midway through the movie, I'm like, I'm like blinking my eyes and I'm like, are these creatures doing what I think they're doing? And I was like, holy shit, these creatures are sexually assaulting the women. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm like, what the, what is going on here? And so it just took it to a whole, like, I just couldn't believe it was happening. And then the ending is like, okay, all right, you went there. You, you went there with that. Okay. And so uh, I always recommend this to people who don't want to see, you know, your slasher or whatever. I say, check this out. It's a nice little, you know, nice little fun story. I, I think it's great, man. It's, it's just so, it, I always have a great time watching it. And it's a Roger Corman movie. So, right? Roger Corman did that. Roger Corman did that. And, um, not only did he do that, but, you know, Roger Corman is, like, known for being this soft-smoking, sweet old man, but obviously he's into some weird shit. Uh, his editorial input was that the movie needed more rape. So the uh, <laughs> the actual director, I think, took her name or his name off and was like, yeah, we'll, we'll just credit this one to Roger. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Yep. Plus, the creature design was pretty good. Like, Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of his, like, low... I mean, Roger Corman was known for the shoestring budget and just doing some fantastic effects. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was kind of like, almost like a creature from the Black Lagoon, but with a little bit more, I don't know, kind of wet look, and, and, and the, 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 the mouths of the creatures look different. I, I, I liked it. I like I, I liked the way they looked. Almost look believable, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Very grounded to me. Uh, so now we're going to move into the best kills, and you definitely have the list on this. Uh, you can run through as many of the ones that you have as you want, and I will uh, I'll drop in anything that I have left. All right. Uh, well, there's a movie called Just Before Dawn, I believe it came out in the mid eighties. It's a, it's one of those cabin in the woods slashers. Uh, it is a little different in the sense that it's uh, it's not one killer. It's like a pair of killers. They're, they're like twins or something. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think they're like inbred twins, but they set the movie off where they, they, they stab a guy with a machete, which is not a big deal, right? You've seen Jason do that like a thousand times. Seppi stabs the guy like in the pelvis, like pretty much mid-crotch. I, I was like, wow, okay, all right. That's something I haven't seen before. Uh, another kill from that same movie, which I'm not fond of, uh, was at the end, the, the final girl survives the last killer by sticking her entire arm down the guy's throat, and I just it just wasn't believable. That just wasn't believable to me, and and it was very fist fetish. I'm like, did did the guy who made this movie have a fist fetish? What's going on here? So that was like a great kill, followed by a not so great kill for me. Um, 
one of my favorite kills of all time is Halloween 2, which I'm one of the few people that prefer Halloween 2 over Halloween 1. I do. Uh, and, and, and it's the hot tub scene. Uh, I, I just... That I I think I saw it at a very young age, and it, you know, obviously the woman stripping, and um, you know she's she's licking Michael's finger, dirty fingers, and then the next thing you know, he's sticking her head in that blazing hot water, and every time he pulls her head back, like you could see layers of her face just come off, like almost like like paper mache kind of thing. Uh, it it was it looked really believable to me. Like I was like, wow. Like that 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 was one of the best kills ever. And I I noticed later that it was done in an Italian movie, very similarly, except it was just it wasn't a hot tub. It was like a a a bathtub or something. So I don't know which one came out first, but but I I I for me personally, I guess I'm, I'm preferential because I had you know Halloween too. I'm a big I'm a little biased. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is the one that you recommended to me, and I believe we were talking about uh, we were talking about a particular kill. You said you got to see Patrick still still lives, which is an Italian movie. And I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to go find this movie. It's got a great kill. I'm going to go find it. I found it, and it's basically. Um, a spear goes at this woman who's barely dressed. And um, the spear goes not just through her vagina, but like all the way through her body comes out her mouth. Glorious. I mean, while it was happening, because it's very slow the way it happens, I just, my jaw was slowly opening, like, is this really happening? Is it going where I think it's going? And then the camera, like, you got to love those Italians, man. The camera zooms right in on her vagina, and with the spear going right up, I I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Classic. Classic. Um, uh, Another big one. I'm going to say that the next two are Friday the 13th. Obviously, the famous Kevin Bacon kill with a spear coming out from behind his neck and through his neck. Always thought that was a really, really nice kill that I had never seen and done really well. You know, Savini Savini definitely knows what he's fucking doing, man. Uh, And then he topped that, I thought, in part two with the 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 shish kebab kill or sex kebab kill where two people are having sex and Jason comes from behind and stabs them with a spear the spear goes right through both of them and you get the, the the horror is is that the girl underneath sees him coming and she's trying to get her boyfriend off but it's just too late and uh you know I heard there's an uncut version of this kill that I have not yet seen yet. Uh, I I probably could look it up on YouTube. I, I, I kick myself in the head sometimes. Now you know, <laughs> taking a few minutes and checking it out. But yeah, I, I I always thought that was and and that that kill's been reenacted a few times in a few different slashes, and it's just not as good. They try to do it. It's, it's just 
It's just not as good. Um, the next one would be Maniac. Maniac actually has a few great kills in it, but I thought the, you know, at the beginning of the movie, the killer jumps, it, it actually is not too far from where I live. It's right it's by the entrance to the Verrazano Bridge where a lot of, you know, there's this little strip where you can park your car. People do it so that they can, you know, be by the water. Other people do where they park over there. It's kind of like your your point for, you know, small towns, like, you know, the old point where, you know, you know kids go to make out kind of thing. So it, it that was basically the point for Brooklyn. If you wanted to take a girl to go mess around or whatever, you would take them there because you could park your car, do whatever the hell you want. Nobody's going to bother you. And it's right by the water. It's got a nice view. So there's a couple doing, you know, getting ready to, to do their thing in a car. Ironically, it's Savini playing, playing the part. So he created the kill and he created a mold of his face. And, um, you know, it's a shotgun kill. So a lot of slashes don't use guns. It's kind of like just not done. Um, they started, they started putting them in later, you know, to, to spice things up. But at that time in the early eighties, I had never seen a slasher with a a shot, a, a gun type of kill like that. So, he, he actually blows away the guy's face. And so basically Tom Savini blows away his own fucking face. And then, like I said earlier, since this movie was done guerrilla style, they, they used a real shotgun for that kill. And so when they did the shotgun kill, they had to jump into the cars and race out of there. Cause the police probably showed up minutes later after they, you know, do a bullets fired in Brooklyn, you do that, somebody's going to show up. So I always thought that was a really special kill for that reason. Uh, let me keep let me keep things going. Uh, the next one would be Mutilator, and I believe Mutilator, this kill is the one that you recommended that I see Patrick still lives for. Yes, definitely. I, I think we were talking about Mutilator on Killer Flicks. And I asked, is, did that hook go where I think it went? Because it's like one of those kills where it's more of a... Sh- you don't see the actual kill. It's more like a shadow kind of thing. And then you see it kind of go there and then look uh, kind of a look away type of kill. Mm-hmm. And so it's this big fisherman type of hook. It's not like a like a hook you would do to catch a fish. It's more like those big hooks. Like maybe like a two-foot hook. And he he shoves that hook right up some woman's badge and it's like glorious and that movie does have like a good like four or five solid kills in it um so but i thought that was the best of the bunch uh you know that was really good uh in the prowler which i mentioned earlier uh i did mention the one about the knife going through the head so i i thought of another one there's a girl who is i think taking a shower and the killer comes at her with like a pitchfork and he stabs her right like mid torso while like the water's still running and her boobs are all out very bloody very nicely done i thought that was really good um uh 
what my my favorite Christmas horror movie is Silent Night Deadly Night, and uh, there's a very creative kill with Scream Queen Linnea Quigley where she is grabbed by the killer and there's a a uh, deer deer head propped up on the wall with the arrow mm-hmm. pointing out and um he basically slowly and that's the thing that does it it's not quick it's slow he shoves her into the antlers and you see the antlers like penetrate her through the back and then come out the f- I thought it was so so nicely done mm-hmm. so nicely done uh I thought that was a special one uh Savini did a movie called The Burning which I believe he did right after Friday, Friday 2. I think he didn't want to do part 3 because he did the burn. Or no, he didn't want to do part 1, actually, because he didn't. Uh, part 2, I'm sorry. He didn't want to do part 2 because of the... Um, well, he didn't want to do part 2 because of that and because they brought Jason back and he was like, oh, right. he's he like, like, why idea. would they bring him back? He's dead. Right. He, did, he didn't like the, the idea of Jason coming back and, and he was doing the burning at the same time, so he was like, I'm doing this anyway, and it was pretty much a similar type of movie. He doesn't see... I don't think much of the movie, to be honest. It it, it doesn't have a great killer like, like Friday the 13th does, but it, he does do this scene like in the middle of like a river where there's a raft full of kids, and they're just trying to find some missing kids, and then the killer pops out of nowhere with these like garden shears, and that's kind of like the killer's weapon of choice in this movie and he just goes to town on like about three or four kids i mean he's chopping off fingers he's stabbing people with the shears i thought that was pretty glorious the movie itself man you know other horror fans do love the movie it's definitely a cult classic but for me it, it it was more like to show off his effects than anything else um, actually not from a slasher movie and that is the movie Scanners uh, which is like a more of a scientific supernatural Cronenberg one of his best it's actually my favorite Cronenberg movie um, it, it's all about people with like mental powers and um, and this particular one uh this guy just like out of nowhere, his head just absolutely explodes. And I was very young when I saw it for the first time and it was shocking to me. And it's just one of those like moments in my life that kind of like, I'll never forget. And I thought the effect was really, really well done. Like, damn, Cronenberg really knew what he was doing. He's like before his time, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, um, uh, let's see the movie pieces. There's not any one particular kill, but I would say the entire movie pieces, which is a very special movie for so many different reasons. Uh, it has a lot of great kills, you know, really great kills, uh, amongst a lot of other great things, but, uh, I'll just keep moving. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, one of the few horror movies that actually scared the shit out of me. Um, Tina's Kill, 
just because the amount of blood, the rotating room, um, which I believe was used for the movie Breaking, <laughs> which is yeah. very interesting. <laughs> but uh, I thought that that effect was nice. I thought the way the cuts came in out of nowhere, you know, that was that was something I had never seen like that. That was really awesome. Uh, Elm Street 4, uh, um, wait, wait, I almost skipped one. Elm Street 3, the puppet kill uh, with, like, the, pa- the the person's veins, like, being pulled out of his body, like, his veins, his whatever, whatever, whatever it was, veins, ligaments, whatever they were, wow, like, wow, uh, it made me turn my head the first time I saw it a couple of times, because you just don't expect to see stuff like that, great, great effects, man, Dream Warriors was a great, you know, great special movie. And then I thought the most interesting kill of that movie was uh, Tara's ta- or Taryn Taryn's uh, kill because Freddie had an, a way of getting at you with your like your your biggest weakness, and since she was a drug addict, you know he he turned his hands into like syringes with drugs, mm-hmm. and and then the effect was so nice with like. The little the little holes in her arms like turning into little mouths. I thought that was really nicely done. Uh, moving on, Elm Street Four. Uh, I know Elm Street Four is a big one for you. Uh, I thought the Roach Motel kill was <laughs> unique. Is just not a big enough word. <laughs> that was that was definitely one that was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, that was great. Uh, Sleepaway Camp has some great kills throughout, but uh, a curling iron in the vagina. Okay, all right. I don't know if that would kill you, but but still interesting and uh, unique. Um, Sleepaway Camp Two, which I believe is very underrated, because uh, it is a horror comedy more than it is just a straight up slasher. Mm-hmm. It it surprisingly has some very unique kills. One was these these two girls that were like smoking a lot of weed, and uh, Angela gets them by like burning them alive. Or very nice the way that was done. And then one of the more grosser kills was the outhouse drowning, seeing her go in and out, and there's like leeches and all types of poo poo water all over her. That was pretty gross. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, the entire movie Edge of the Axe. I hadn't seen too many slashes, you know, with kills involving an axe. So the entire movie is just people being chopped up by axes. And I thought the way that the effects were done were really good. They was pretty believable. You know, I don't know if they used like a a, a soft hatchet or whatever. I don't know. Kudos to whoever did that. That was really good. Uh, My Bloody Valentine, again, I mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. I think that they, they, those are top-notch kills throughout. Um, Chopping Mall, one of the more you know unique, interesting slashers. I like to say it's the short circuit of slasher movies. Absolutely. <laughs> I really believe that they ripped off the movie Short Circuit when they made that movie. I mean, even, even its plot is just a little too similar. Uh, but there's a girl who gets like zapped in her face, and her her entire head explodes. It, it's just 
it's more kooky than anything else, but but I I think it's an awesome, nice little awesome uh, kill there. Mm-hmm. Prom Night 2, which I like more than Prom Night 1. Uh, Same. Yeah, Prom Night 2, I like it because it's more supernatural. I usually do like, you know, when slashes go supernatural. And uh, that one was really, really good. And I like the the locker kill where she basically gets crushed between two lockers. Mm-hmm. Very nicely done. I'm not a big Child's Play fan, uh, you know, fan, but I thought the first Child's Play uh, where the doctor like gets electrocuted, that was pretty gruesome. That was yeah. pretty gruesome. Um, and then I mentioned witchery before. There's like a, a good three or four interesting kind of, I don't know what you would call like dreamlike kills. They were really good. Uh, I mentioned Intruder before. Mm-hmm. They had, the Intruder had some top-notch kills. One, the one with the meat slicer which was, was really good. Um, Friday the 13th part three or 3D. There's a guy who's constantly doing a handstand throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And <laughs> I I thought that was the way that was done. I, I don't know if they used like a glass floor, but but the the effect was really nice where Jason just comes up on him and practically slices him in half. Awesome. Uh Friday four. Uh there's a girl who goes out in an inflatable raft. The way that effect was nicely done with like the machete coming up from underneath. Part six uh, has some good some good kills, um, but I thought the most the, the really cool one was the, the sheriff getting his back broken like in reverse. Oh yeah, he's basically yeah. getting like he's being snapped back over his own legs. Mm-hmm. Never seen that before. That was really one that like took me back. Uh, part seven, which is one of my favorite Fridays, even though you know usually when. When sequels get to like a part seven, you're like, ugh. But part seven was really underrated to me. The sleeping yeah, bag kill. High. Yeah, the sleeping guy. You know, Buchler made that movie. Buchler knew what he was doing. Yep. Um, he did it. He did that sleeping bag kill, and they they keep trying to do it over again. You know, they 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 did it in in uh, you know the the one where he goes out to space. It wasn't even close. Oh, the hologram one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't even close. That that one was really good. And then there's always one that makes me laugh with like this girl who pops her head out of a van and they were having like a birthday party. So there was like those party horns and Jason grabbed the party horn and sticks it in her eye. And when it goes in her eye, the horn goes like toot for like a second. Always one. And and her boyfriend, he literally crushes his skull inward. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that was nice too. So Seven had some really great... I think seven is so underrated just because they chop like half the half the kills out the MPAA and they're still good. Like the movie's still damn good. Yeah, you know. So I always see that um, Psycho two. Like like I said before, it's really wow, something special. That knife through the mouth in the basement. The way they did that was classic. 
Psycho 3 is probably the more slasher of all those movies because the first was not really considered a slasher. Mm -hmm. The second one's kind of almost thriller with some slasher in it, but the third one's all the way slasher. You can't argue that. The third one is all the way. And that one was done by Perkins himself. So, you know, I guess Perkins was like, let me go all the way slasher. And there's the kill involving a telephone booth, which I thought was nicely done. You know, and, and that teleboat, that tele, that girl who goes into the telephone booth, she does like a sex scene like minutes before. And that was like one of those scenes that I remember because I was very young and I saw it. It was kind of like one of those scenes that kind of like kickstarted puberty for me at, at that time. <laughs> like, you know, it was kind of really sleazy and racy. You know, I, I thought that was, that was, that was a big thing. Um, Halloween 3, uh, it's one of those movies where they hated it back in the day. Now they love it, and I think they love it a little too much. You know, it, it is a good movie. I like it. I just wouldn't call it like, they, they think it's like the greatest thing sliced bread, but I do like the movie. I think it's nice. Um, but there's this kill involving like the, these, I don't know what you call them, these robotic people. And they, there's a guy in the hospital in the early in the movie, and he just sticks his like fingers onto his face and crushes his facial bones in. That yep. was nice. That was that was one of those ones I've never seen. You know, I, I like the ones that I've never seen them before. If they're really well done, or if I've never seen it, I give I give credit. Uh, Halloween four, uh, one of my favorite Halloweens. He he basically. He, he he shoves a shotgun through a woman, and it comes out the back of the wall. Yeah, <laughs> I, that one was nice. I thought it kind of it, it it did it was similar to the one from the first Halloween where he stabs the guy up against the wall and he's just hanging there. Mm -hmm. This one was I thought I like this one more than that one. So you know you're doing it with a shotgun, so I thought that was nice. Halloween five, not 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 too many people like it, but there is like this scene involving a um a barn. There's like this whole scene involving a barn where Michael's in a barn killing a few people. Mm -hmm. And there's like a sex scene. And I guess it's very similar to the Friday the thirteenth two scene, the Shish kebab, except that he doesn't go all the way through. He's using like a pitchfork. But I thought that was nice, the pitchfork through the back. And uh, Dead and Buried, which is a movie that I just saw recently. Any any kill involving like the eyes, it creeps the shit out of me. I mm -hmm. something about the eyes. So I know the eye kill has been done, like the needle through the eye thing has been done a couple of times. But I just recently saw it in Dead and Buried, and uh, that one was pretty damn good. I anything that it it, it, it it creeps me out those those things. And then my favorite, well, one of, you know, my the movie Aliens, which is a sequel to the movie Alien, where obviously you're not going to top the movie Alien as far as like the whole chestburster thing. But I thought their version of the chestburster thing was done really nice. Mm -hmm. You know, with the woman kind of like, she's who knows how long she's been in there, you know, stuck there. And she just wants to... She just, you can feel her dread. She, you could tell she just, just, she's just like, just kill me, please. She's like, literally like, please kill me. She knows what's happening. 
she just wants to die. And and I think that's that's definitely that's big. And and so uh with that, that's my list. I I move it over to you, brother. I mean, you definitely hit pretty much everything. Um I I will go for the scraps. Uh <laughs> also a big fan of, of the eye kills and the gore. We've covered uh, Lucio Fulci on the podcast previously. So movies we, we've reviewed, we might even have some clips of those reviews later. Uh, City of the Living Dead. I mean, there's just so many. There's the, uh, the circular saw. There's the girl in the, in the car that, like, gets possessed and vomits out all of her intestines and her eyes. Nice, nice choice. Nice choice. Yeah. Uh, New York Ripper. I mean, speaking of eye kills and just, you know, all, all sorts of sleaze and vulgarity. Uh, I had pieces on my list also because, you know, how could you not? Uh, I also had Halloween 3, but I took the ones that you didn't. I have when the uh, the woman, like, blows her face up when she's inspecting the microchip. And then... Ah, uh, the uh, laser uh, one, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the, the kid with the mask. I mean, you know, his head, like, explodes into bugs. And it's just... If you've never seen that movie before, like, that's the one thing that everybody knows from it. It's just so, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, House on Sorority Row, I think, is a very underrated slasher. It just got another re-release from MVD, um, and it's it's got some really great creative kills. It's got, you know, the, the iconic scene is, is the girl's head in the bathtub, I mean, the toilet. Uh, and then I put Death Spa on here because, you know, it's it's almost up there with something like, uh, like Ghost Ship or... Well, you haven't seen the movie I was about to say, so I'll, I'll hold that one because uh, I know you guys are going to watch it soon. But just, you know, really off the wall, supernatural, going after like a lot of people at once. And even the individual kills in that movie. I mean, we, we alluded to it before. It is supernatural, but the whole movie is about like this state of the art computer system in this gym. And you're kind of wondering like throughout the whole movie, like, is this just the computer doing this? Is like it actually haunted? And uh, you, you get the answer to that question. And when it happens, it's just like, holy shit, like, all these people are, are not going to make it out of here. Um, but, yeah. And you had said, um, you know, a movie that you just saw recently. So I will throw you one of my, I guess, like, blind spot first time watches. Uh, another one from 81. It's from Hong Kong. It's called The Imp. I'm going to sum it up for you like this, and you'll be sold on it immediately. It's a serious version of the Manitou. Mm. Okay. Very, very cool. Would recommend it. Um, I think it's on YouTube. Might be on Tubi. But I, I watched that about a week ago, and I was like, wow, this is definitely making a list. Um, all right. So let's jump to our biggest shockers. You know, things that could be a scene, a character, a death, a killer, a jump scare. Um, you know, we, we came up with a list, so we have it a little bit more refined and we can define that as we go through, but, uh, I'm going to kick that one back to you. Uh, as far as shockers, I, I first thought of what movies really shocked me as far as how much fear they put into me. Mm-hmm. Um, Elm Street one, I did, I did not see the Elm Street movies in order. My father took me to see Elm Street 3 in theaters. And my father's not a horror fan, so I think he was just trying to kill some time. Uh, you know, hanging out with me one night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I loved the movie so much, I went back and watched the other two. I rented them almost immediately after. 
But surprisingly, even though I had already seen three, part one scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh, wow, wait a minute. And, and, and like it caused me to like turn the lights on and, you know, while I was watching in the dark. So it's very, very few horror movies like really put that fear into me. So Elm Street 1 was one. The original Pet Cemetery, even though I, I don't think it's aged very well, it did the same thing. It, it put that fear into me. It creeped me out. Uh, so those those two definitely they shocked me by how much how how much fear was in my heart at the moment when I watched them for the first time. Uh, the reveal of Psycho Two and the shovel kill, which to this day makes me chuckle every time I see it. Uh, that shovel kill just, it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> really, literally comes out of nowhere. And it almost just like wraps the whole movie up. It's letting you know Norman Bates is back. <laughs> he's back. He went crazy in the beginning of the movie, but he's fucking Looney Tunes at the end. And it's like it's letting you know. It's announcing it to, to you. Mm-hmm. So I, I always like I always love that 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 definitely was a shocker. Uh, Halloween for the ending, I like that was a very big like surprise uh, with Jamie, you know, trying to kill somebody. Oh yeah, I love love that ending. One and uh, it, it's also like it's it was great. It's one of the better endings of any of the Halloween movies. And it's a shame because they didn't really follow it up well with part five. Like, uh, I wish they had, you know, I, I have my own ideas of what they, what way they could have went with that. You know, I always said, you know, they could have, you know, maybe followed it up a few years later. Maybe she's locked up the way Michael was. And maybe Michael's like some sort of empty vessel. Mm-hmm. And they, they have to find him so that they could put that evil back into him kind of thing. I always thought that would have been a cool type of, story to go you know kind uh, of how they started to go with halloween ends and then just gave up halfway through yeah something to that effect like she's got the evil in her and like they want to save her and since michael's already lost you know put it back mm. into him like, something something to that effect i always thought that that might have been a way they were gonna go they didn't go that way yeah so uh that's another one um the movie pieces Honestly, the, the whole movie shocked me in, in for so many different reasons. Uh, but the, the big thing was the impromptu kung fu scene in the middle of the movie oh my and God, literally yeah, out of nowhere. Bruce Lee. With Bruce, and, and I knew who Bruce Lai was. I didn't know that was Bruce Lai in the movie when I saw mm-hmm. it. But I, you know, I remember because Bruce Lee died and they were trying to find like the next Bruce Lee. And they announced Bruce Lai. I remember that back in the 70s. So, uh, ironically, right? His name is Bruce Lai. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the irony of that. But, uh, yeah, so he, I, why did they do that? I don't know. Uh, I think but... the like the director was or somebody was doing a movie with him, trying to promote him, and they were like, you know, hey, we'll, we'll throw him in this scene. <laughs> What the hell, right? The movie yeah. was crazy enough as it was without him, right? Yeah. But, uh, what I mentioned earlier about humanoids from the deep, realizing <laughs> that these women were like being violated. Um, 
the creep creep show. I always love the creep show anthology movies, but I my favorite my favorite story is the raft. Mm-hmm. And that it it took me back at how great that story was. Like, like you could do an entire movie on something like that. Like that's how great it was. Oh yeah. Not only that, it had like character development. I felt like these people that were going to the raft, you, you, you even though they didn't have much time to explain much, you had like you know you had the jock, you had his hot girlfriend, mm-hmm. you had the quiet girl. You had the nerdy guy. You had enough. <clears throat> right? For something like a small skit type of story, you had enough for you to kind of, you know, go with that. So I, I always liked that. And so that that story took me back. The movie Scanners, all, it all was like a real, I had never seen like sci-fi horror at mm-hmm. that, you know, at that point. That's probably my first, like my first kind of, sci-fi horror experience uh the entity the entire movie the entity somebody somebody at my job said you gotta go see this movie the entity i love love that i showed it to sarah and she all she said was that fucking score with the pounding yes oh my god uh you know the Mm -hmm. whole movie just you know they went there and they weren't afraid to go there and like they showed like this ghost basically having his way with this woman and you could see like her nipples being it was wild yeah the effects with nipples yeah that was that was bizarre yeah there's this one scene where they're like in the i think they're in the kitchen and the ghost takes her right in front of her son oh awkward right like Yeah, the movie, the and then at the end you realize it's kind of a true story. So you're like, "What the fuck, man? What did I just watch?" Right? Yeah. Like, so yeah, that was definitely one of those movies. Um, Sleepaway Camp. I don't want to go into too much detail, but the, the whole the, the there's there's like a bizarre nature of that movie. Yeah, you you just don't know what the guy who made it what he was thinking was. Was he out of his fucking mind, or was he like, or was he a genius in the way he did things? Was he trying to be funny? Was he trying to be strange? I don't know, uh, but you know, the movie is just so bizarre to me. You know, it's not a horror comedy like Part Two. It's it's more like a straight slasher, but it's just so weird. Yeah, you have, you have these just weird things going on. You know, and uh, you know, little it could be little things like the the guy with the fake mustache, or the the, the performance of the mother character at the beginning, who she's a doctor, and the way she's acting. Oh, the the end, yeah, yeah. I I, I you know, and uh, you know, the whole movie is just weird, uh, and I love that about it. You know, I fell in love with the movie after like one viewing. You know, the everybody talks about the ending. The ending to me is like. Yeah, the ending's big, but but I think the whole movie is like just something. Is you could do you could do like a college course on that shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like all, all the men are wearing crop top shirts and Daisy Dukes, and mm-hmm. for some reason everybody's pissed off. Why I don't know why everybody's pissed off and screaming at each other. The 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 cousin character is constantly cursing at everybody for no reason whatsoever like going on these rants 
I mean, it's the, the most authentic, you know, New York, New Jersey summer camp movie I've ever seen. Like, every summer camp movie looks like, oh, this is a set. These are actors. Like, that movie, it's like, yeah, I could believe these kids. Like, I, I went to camp with people like this. Yeah, I did. I went to camp, too, and, and, and it was goddamn authentic, man. You, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. All right, so I, t- I move it over to you again. All right, so I only have a few. I've got, again, Burial Ground, which is, full title is Burial Ground Knights of Terror. Of course, that's misspelled also. Um, I don't remember if you have seen this movie, if it was on your, your major list, Spellbinder, 88. Mm-mm. So this is uh, Kelly Preston and Tim Daly, who was Superman on the animated 90s show. Um, it's a witch movie, and... You know, it's it's pretty sleazy, but it's still kind of sweet. And, I mean, Kelly Preston had that, like, all-American girl look and then always got naked in movies. And, you know, if you hadn't seen one of her movies before and that happened, you're like, oh, wow. So that was shocking. But then just the ending and where it went. Because, I'm, you know, movies I haven't seen, especially, I'm always trying to figure out. And you really think you know where this one is going and that they're going to play it safe. And then they don't. And uh, it was definitely worth it. One of my favorites. Um, possession I have on here again. I mean, that whole movie, but definitely the monster sex scene. Uh, Bloody Moon was actually my first Jess Franco. And anybody, I've mentioned him before, but anyone who doesn't know, like Jess Franco is known for hardcore stuff, but it's done with like, you know, art house hardcore, like not, not porn, but like movies that have actual porn in them, but they're very like plot centric and it's not porno with a plot because porno with a plot is you know guy shows up to fix the pipes he bangs the girl he stays around and there's a very loose story these are all story focused story driven i mean there's erotic rites of frankenstein there's a ton of uh, vampire ones uh this is the least franco movie imaginable it's just a straight up slasher but you know he goes for it with the gore and like he always casts these gorgeous gorgeous women and it, it was like a slasher I had never seen before. And I was just blown away. I was like, I have to watch every movie this guy's ever done. And like I said, none of them are like this. So I just kept going down that rabbit hole and, and being mesmerized. Um, and then the last one I have is a Lamberto Bava movie called Delirium. But there's other movies called Delirium. So this is Photo of Gloria. And it's, again, kind of a giallo, kind of a straightforward slasher. But it's about, like, the Italian equivalent of a penthouse pet. And, you know, you get these movies about models and you think, like, oh, they're, they're going to, like, you know, shoot her tastefully and, and nothing bad is going to happen to her or her friends and everybody will make it out. Like, the opening scene of this movie is a fully nude penthouse photo shoot that gets very, very racy. Um, and then there's just people getting killed left and right. And it amps up from there. So that movie, I was just not prepared for. I had no idea what I was expecting. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so from here, we're going to move into our best year for 80s horror. And we can just, you know, rattle off the titles. I have a lot more from mine, I think. Um, we made the rule slash disclaimer. You know, 1981, I would say, and I've said many times on here, is the best year for horror movies, period. Uh, let alone in the 80s. In the 80s, I'd say 81 and 87 are neck and neck. Um, so I looked at my list of 100, and the next I had 20 from was 1988. 
So just to run down that list, I have uh, two movies that are in my top 10, so I'll cover those later. We've got Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bullarama, which we've all reviewed on here. Uh, Pumpkinhead, Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers. Nightmare Sisters. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Uh, I Have Witchery. Spellbinder. Phantasm 2, which is my favorite Phantasm. It's by uh, The Unholy comes back around. Scarecrows, definitely. Uh, the Seventh Sign, which I know is a movie we both like. Um, you know, I would be iffy on is it really horror? Is it more like religious fantasy? But it's definitely worth a watch. Um, Death Spa comes back around. Dial Help, which is a Ruggiero Diodato movie that is just bonkers. It's about like a haunted phone uh, with a slasher and an Italian model. Um, Lair of the White Worm, which is actually a Bram Stoker book turned into a movie. And this one was starring Hugh Grant. I showed that one to Sarah about a month ago. And she, you know, sometimes she'll be in the background because she works from home. And when I'm off, especially on Tuesdays, I'll watch things if I'm in the room and she'll usually like look up every now and then and be like, what are you watching? Something like this. She like actually like went on break, sat on the couch and just watched the whole thing. She was mesmerized. Uh, Waxwork, which is pretty underrated. Zach Galligan movie and a really, really sleazy slasher. It's about these people who like break into, I think it's a department store um, called hide and go shriek. It's basically like they're all playing an adult version of hide and seek and they all like go off to have sex with each other and there's a killer trapped in there with them. And it's just really, really sleazy and a lot of fun. All right. Uh, I guess it's my turn. It is your turn. So I went with 86. I'm a little biased when it comes to 86 because 86 is my favorite year of all time for movies in general. So, mm-hmm. you know... But uh, let's keep it horror, and I'm going to go, it does, you know, your list is, I can't, I don't know if it can compete with it, but it does, I do have some good ones here. April Fool's Day, which is a pretty unique and also appropriate that you watch this on April Fool's Day. It's it's a slasher movie done in that April Fool's kind of style. Uh, Chopping Mall, which we mentioned, which is kind of like a short circuit mall slasher. Um, Critters, I'm not a big fan of it, but Critters was kind of like, I always saw it as a bite off of Gremlins, but, you know, it does have its own lore, and it's more of, you know, outer space kind of thing. Deadly Friend, which I believe is a Wes Craven early, one of his earlier works. Uh, Yes, the Christy Swanson one. Yeah, Demons 2, which is a pretty damn good follow-up to demons oh yeah um with with a nice twist where it's like kind of like they're coming out of the television and like the first movie is kind of was more fictional weird very weird but it worked like that's the most important part of it it worked Mm -hmm. uh the fly which is cronenberg it's my second favorite cronenberg movie um and any anything involving um Jeff Goldblum, I'm I'm a Jeff Goldblum super fan. I, I believe you, you take any hit movie and you add Jeff Goldblum to it, it just ups the level of that movie to me. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, Jason Lives, which is one of the better Friday Friday movies, 
and uh, very similar to Intruder. It has almost no nudity, no sex, and mm-hmm. yet, and yet it works. So, you know, and, and I think it, you know, the first like, what, 10, 15 movies, 10, 15 minutes of that movie are like glorious with the whole Horshack thing, uh, to tribute to Frankenstein thing that they had going. Uh, From Beyond, which is awesome. Ah, the lovely fact. Barbara Crampton. Yeah, yeah, that's the one where she's like in that S and M garb and stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's 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 a special one. Uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, great, you know, great serial killer movie. The Hitcher, which <clears throat> I guess you could argue is more thriller than 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 horror. I, I've I've always had that debate with myself, and I have kept it as definitely a horror movie. Either way, it's Rutger Hauer at his best. You know, yeah. You know, Rutger Hauer just like nobody plays a crazy guy like Rutger Hauer can. I don't know. I, I just it's tough. Uh, House, very underrated horror movie. Mm-hmm. Killer Party, a very underrated slasher movie that a lot of people haven't heard of. Oh, I love Killer uh, Party. Killer Workout, which is kind of like the sister movie to Death Spa. I like it a little bit more just because of the aerobic scenes and the silliness of it. Like, somebody's killing somebody, killing people with a safety pin. Yeah, giant, <laughs> like, oversized safety yeah, pin. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's it, it has, like, a very similar to pieces. It has, like, a, a karate scene in the middle of it. Like, yep. two, two guys decking it out and, like, fighting it out in the backyard or something. You know, it's 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 wacky like that. But I love both of them, so, you know, it's like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which is horror comedy, uh, but I, I I have to admit I don't really consider it horror. It's it's more musical comedy with a horror theme to it. Um, Night of the Creeps, which is kind of like a uh, it's a horror movie, but with that kind of John Hughes, you know, kind of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, Poltergeist Two, which which doesn't even sniff the first poltergeist, but it has that creepy ass uh, priest. Oh, the reverend, yeah. That, that creeps me out. I didn't know that he was actually sick during the making of the movie, and that's why he looked so creepy. He was actually sick. He had cancer, and and that's, that's almost makes me feel bad knowing that now. But oh, I, I didn't know just, that either. <laughs> singing that creepy ass song and everything. Mm-hmm. He just, he just. He just hit me at the right time, you know, and I was young. Uh, Psycho 3, which, like I said, is, of all the Psycho movies, I think it, it, if you, it is the most slasherific of all the Psycho movies. Yes, definitely. Uh, Slaughter High and Sorority House Massacre, those are some, some, uh, some good slashers. A vampire movie called Vamp with Grace Jones. Which, oh, I love that one. Yes, I yeah, actually just showed that one to Sarah too. Yeah, it, it's nice. It's cute. It's like a. I, I, I like the fact that it keeps you guessing uh, throughout the and movie. It, it's got the kid from Nightmare too. Yes, yes, it does. And uh, I, 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 I actually went out of my way to get that on hard media. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Two. It's. So damn weird because you really can't watch it after watching the first one. I just don't feel like they work together like as a direct sequel. 
But I'm warming up to it after seeing it a couple of times. Um, it just has its own feel to it. it, it it's definitely different. It's got uh, crazy as all fuck Dennis Hopper. It's really out there. It really is. The Wraith, you could argue, is not horror, but I think it is kind of like a revenge supernatural space kind of revenge kind of thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, but it's a young Charlie Sheen. Very nice little story. Um, I'll leave my top movie from 86 out because that's definitely going to be in my list. And then my final one would be Nightmare Weekend, which is, I'll admit, not a good movie at all, but it's one of those really, really bad movies that is so bad that I love it. I love it too. George controls the list. It's very sleazy. It's very sleazy, and, I, and that's one of the things I love about it. So, absolutely, <laughs> it's bizarre. It's bizarre, really. Yeah, well, I apologize. I got a little bit of uh, road noise. I'm driving, but anybody who's a regular listener knows that that happens all the time on here. Um, you know, I, I told you off camera. Sarah unfortunately had a flat tire. We had set time aside to do this whole thing, but you know, life happens. Uh, so I am on my way to pick her up, but I'm basically on the main road I'm just going to take there. So I'm just going to get in the right lane, slow down, and hopefully we'll have minimal noise. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, let's keep going. Here's a question for you. What is the most recent 80s horror you watched? I know there were some blind spots. Uh, I know you guys watched a certain British horror movie. Yeah, so um, I tried watching the first Hellraiser Back in those days that I mentioned where I went and hit the video store. And there was something about the skinless people that just kind of creeped me out. Didn't finish it. And uh, it always bummed me out because whenever you get involved with these horror groups, you know, they'll bring up Hellraiser and I have absolutely nothing to say because I've, I've really never even seen one. So to prepare for this, you know, for this uh, podcast, I wanted to see a few of your favorites. So I went and checked out Hellraiser 2. And I'm glad I did. Uh, uh, do the skinless people still creep me out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they still do. But the movie was very uh, weird, kind of... Uh, I, I, I think I described it to you. It's like the movie Labyrinth. Yeah. But but with more gore and, and it's Labyrinth with less music and, and skinless people. <laughs> And uh, I, I like the experience, you know. I, I don't know if I'm going to follow up with uh, any more because I keep, I keep hearing how some of the sequels are not very good. I think. It, yeah, unfortunately, good. the series steadily declines. You might like three, especially because it pretends to be in New York. Um, you might like four. Four is one of those ones that's you know people hate it, people love it. It's definitely like a almost unfinished movie because. The original version was basically shut down. It was uh, the Weinsteins, and they were notorious for that. I mean, they did that to the Crow uh, City of Angels. And um, they basically shut it down and then hired someone else to come in and rewrite it. It actually has an Alan Smithy directing credit because the guy didn't want to put his name on it. Um, And it's the Hellraiser Goes to Space one. So that's that's Uh. what you need to know about that. It's the, you always got to go to space at one point. Yeah. Especially at the fourth one, just like <laughs> Leprechaun. Uh, Amityville 2, I just saw recently, I'd say about a year ago, and it's now my favorite Amityville. It's just so dark. 
uh, it's darker than you know. I saw the first one. I saw the remake, mm-hmm. and and I even have been to Amityville. <laughs> I live in Brooklyn, so uh, my brother, my younger brother, used to play soccer in Amityville. He used to go there all the time, and it used to be like the house is right over there. And I'm like, oh, whatever at that time. So, uh, but I wasn't impressed by the by the Amityville, the first one or the remake, but the second one definitely has some really really creepy effects. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it has a little bit more possession, and it's dark. It's got like children being killed. It's got some incest, which is really odd. It's got some familiar faces uh, that I like. You know, it's got Paulie from the Rocky movies. May he rest in peace. Yeah, Burt Young. Uh, I I love the Rocky. I'm a big Rocky fan, big big Sly fan. So, you know, to have any type of horror movie with anything like that is just. It's just going to add to it. Uh, you recommended Patrick Still Lives a few years back. That was one that really did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's it on my side. Okay. Um, I mean, I dove back into a lot of things on my list, a lot of things that I knew were going to be on your list that I, maybe I hadn't seen in a while. Um I rewatched Poltergeist for the first time in, in ages. And I mean, you know, we, we've mentioned it briefly on the podcast. The big controversy is that Toby Hooper, known for directing Texas Chainsaw, Eaten Alive, um, he's the listed director. But the unofficial, I'm going to guess, totally official story is he was on set and Steven Spielberg directed it. I mean, if you watch this and you watch like Raiders and Temple of Doom back to back, there's so many just shot for shot comparisons, you know, when they're uh, with the with the Ark of the Covenants open and they have their eyes shut versus with the in the bedroom and the the closets pulling them in and they're like back to back. I mean, it's it's almost the same thing. There's a lot of uh, framing, a lot of establishing shots that Spielberg is known for. And I mean, you know, as everybody knows, that was one of these quote unquote cursed movies and there was just so many crazy things that happened during the production after the production you know they they infamously had like the real dead bodies in the pool um so i i am definitely a believer that that spielberg directed that movie and i think the reason was because he had et coming out in like the same summer he didn't want to have a reputation for you know being on this like horror movie the funny thing is, to this day, even though it is kind of gory and definitely scary, uh, Poltergeist is regarded as, like, the gateway to horror that you can show your kids, and it's, like, really good. Yeah, I, I saw Poltergeist Christmas Day. They had it on the big television, and I, I like I said, I wasn't allowed to really watch those type of movies. So it was like, whoa, what is this? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as Hooper, I, I do think there's you can see some of his fingerprints on it. I think that whole scene with the guy who goes to the, to the bathroom mirror and he starts peeling off his skin, that felt like more Hooper to me. Mm-hmm. I think they both definitely, but I, I agree with you. Especially like there's that like that suburban family aspect that you see in E.T. Uh, that's, that's definitely that kind of feel to it. It, it, it. It almost can't describe it. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's. It, I think it's more of a collab, you know. Uh, 
you're, you're right though. You could you could you could see his dirty hands all over it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but other and, than and that, the, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, and, and I, I just gotta say, like, they try to do the Poltergeist movie. I mean, you could argue that like the first Insidious movie is very similar. You could say the Conjuring movies are kind of similar. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think they can match up with the effects. Like, the CGI hasn't reached that point yet. I don't think it has. But I guess I'm a little biased when it comes to that. You know, I think that, like, CGI got really, really good around probably the time of, like, the first Avengers. And then I don't know if it's, like, the cost went up or they got lazy or they made too many movies. But, like, now it looks worse. Yeah, it's a weird thing. From movie to movie, you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah. But and, and and the sad part is, is nobody does nobody's gonna do that old school style anymore. It's just too time consuming, you know. I mean, there's and, still practical effects stuff being made, but you know, it's always like marketed that way. And they're like, hey, we we did actual practical effects in this movie. Come see it. Yeah, it, it it's they, they'll mix it. They'll mix it up, and 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 when they mix it up, it probably is that's the best way to do it. But when you do something all CGI. There is kind of a hollow feeling to it, right? Like it's Yeah, no, definitely. I don't know what you would say, like a like a video game feel to it. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, it's it's soulless. I mean you could tell like, you know, when there's practical effects, like you listen to the stories of things like Um You know, you listen to stories of that and like the set almost fell apart, people got her, you know. Um, but anyway, listen, Sarah's beeping through. Let me just real quick. I'll send you the like. You got it. All right. All right. Talking about just some recent blind spots we hit or we revisited. Um, for me, the most recent thing that I watched was a Lucio Fulci movie uh, called Touch of Death. And what's funny about this is um, it's one of these eight movies that was part of a like TV package. Now, granted, these are, are movies with like you know X ratings and, and nudity. Like they would not have run on on TV in the U.S., but in Italy and other parts of Europe, you know, yeah, it was fair game. Um, I believe it was '88 or '89, and it's Fulci trying to do a Texas Chainsaw, and it's about a mild-mannered serial killer who is just, like, chainsawing women in his garage and, and feeding them to his fucking dog, and it's ridiculous. Um, this is one of those movies that, you know, anyone in horror groups knows. You'll go into these groups and you'll say, I, I saw this movie, or, or maybe I dreamt it, and I can only remember this one really obscure scene, and this was that movie for me, because I was like, I have not been able to find this weird-ass suburban chainsaw movie again since i saw it like what is it did i make it up in my head and then you know a lot of fulci movies have different titles and posters that have nothing to do with the movie this is one of them and uh when i finally was going back through his whole filmography i was like oh shit this is it and sure enough it wasn't even on my fulci list so i had definitely completely made it a blind spot even though i had seen it um, and then the most recent 80s movie that I saw was Cemetery High, which is a um, 
a full moon movie. I think it was part of like a planned thematic trilogy. And it's kind of like Act of Vengeance, a.k.a. Rape Squad, except I don't think anything really happens to the girls. They just go out and like take out these guys premeditated, basically. Uh, but they use guns and not like slashing weapons. So I was in and at the end I was like, yeah, it's all right. It's nothing special. Um, but speaking of something special, we can jump into our top tens if you're ready. I am ready to go. All right. Uh, so we're going to go back and forth down starting from 10. Uh, I'm looking again at our list. I think we only have one overlap. So when you get to your number three, just say that we'll, we'll hold that. We'll both talk about it a little later because uh, it's my number one. That makes sense. All right. So uh, am I kicking this off? You are the guest. You get to kick this off with your number 10. All right. My number 10 is Fright Night. Came out in 1985. Uh, it's a Tom Holland movie. Uh, it is a vampire movie, but it's also kind of a horror comedy uh, but I really like it for the story, for the effects. It's basically Rear Window with vampires. Uh, for for younger folk who don't know what Rear Window is, it's like my neighbor is a vampire. You know, it's, it's the easiest way to explain it. You know, a young guy thinks that his neighbor is a vampire, whether or not he is is up. You know, you have to watch the movie to find out. It's re- the, it really has some great effects. Like making um, a bandit burst look hot. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> from from uh, married with children fame. Uh, yeah, I, you know it, it. It really is, and and it you know for fans like me that aren't big on the Hammer films, it does pay a lot of homage to those films with the character Peter Vincent. So mm-hmm. you know it is. It does touch on that a lot. So I, I really do like that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on, on Fright Night, I, I love it. Um, it's not in my top, and it's, it's as far as vampire movies, it's, it's nowhere near the top, but I like more of the gothic horror and the 70s stuff. Um, I don't know. I think, like, the fact that the, I'm not going to say his name because, you know, you didn't spoil it, uh, the vampire doesn't, like, adhere to strict vampire rules, um, and there's, like, a scene where they basically just, like, decimate him any other vampire would just be dead. And for me, like I had to not only suspend my disbelief, but I had to think in terms of the Dracula from Marvel comics, because he's like legitimately immortal. And if you roll with that premise of like, okay, maybe they just can't kill this vampire. It won't lose you. But I could see for a lot of people, like, you know, they set up the rules and everybody pretty much knows how to kill a vampire. And like the the ordeal that they put him through, and he's still trucking. I mean, the effects look great, but that's just the one thing that took me out of it. And I was like, you know, I need my more logic in my vampires. All right. And uh, oh, we always joke that you know when you when you say the movie's directed by Tom Holland, we we don't mean the kid who plays Spider Man. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, you're number ten. My number 10 is a movie that I believe you actually recently watched, and you definitely did not appreciate it as much as I did, but that's okay. It's my list and your list. Uh, This is another Lucio Fulci. This is actually my second favorite of his. Uh, It's called Enigma, and it's it's basically Patrick still lives, but for girls. 
Um, so the story is there's a all-girl college and there's this girl who named Kathy who's basically like I think she's supposed to be deformed and like obviously like the nerdy loser and just has all these health problems so everybody doesn't like her um it's an Italian Lucio Fulci movie so you know she's a little homely looking but she's definitely not like you know the ugliest thing imaginable um there's an accident that happens and she's basically comatose and the you know the the fellow students all set her up on like a fake date and um she becomes psychokinetic and starts possessing this other girl who of course is drop dead gorgeous and she enrolls at the college and kind of starts uh taking Kathy's revenge uh it's very campy it's very late 80s i have a lot of fun with it you know i love the the music there's some creative kills there's one with snails that's just completely bizarre and um you know it's it's a quick watch and it's on tubi uh, what I will say, though, because this is from your review and your experience, uh, we believe the version on Tubi is not uncut and it's not the full extended version. Uh, that one I was fortunate enough to get from Severin. I believe they still have it available as a double disc Blu-ray. I would highly recommend if you've seen the movie and you like it. So I actually, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I just, the only question I had was the ending. It didn't. It just didn't add up to me, but I did like the whole, I, like I said, I like it when, when movies like this go supernatural, and this was very supernatural. It also kept you guessing. I, I kept wondering what was the whole thing with the mother character who seemed possessed herself at point, at points in the movie. I, I, I really, but I, the kills are what got me. I always love creative kills. Death by Snails is definitely um, something I've never seen. So, you know, yeah. Death by Snails, there was something about a, a woman looking up at, like, a, a portrait or something, and then, like, this, like, black stuff started coming out of the portrait and attacking her. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it had some moments that were really, really, like, engaging. So, yeah, no, I, I like this one. I just didn't, I just, the ending just didn't add up, but I only saw it once. So I, 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 you know, I sometimes have those kind of issues. And then when you go back, you're like, oh, okay, now I get it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you're, you're up number nine. My number nine, we've, we kind of discussed it already. Uh, so I'll go quickly. It's Poltergeist. Came out in 1982. Mm-hmm. Hooper movie, yet Spielberg got his grubby hands all over it. Uh, it's about a suburban family uh, who move into a home. And uh, unfortunately, it, the entire area is a, you know, a graveyard where they, they built homes on top of the grave, on top of the graves, but didn't bother to take the bodies out. So they they go through a lot of uh, problems. The little girl, their little daughter, gets sucked into the TV, and uh, they got to figure out how to get her out of the TV. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll leave it there because we 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 we've already spoken so much on it. Okay. 
Uh, so my number nine, let me see. I know this is a movie you enjoy. Just Okay, so it's not in your top ten. Um, my number nine is Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Now, a lot of people know Prom Night. It's another Jamie Lee Curtis slasher movie. It's good, you know. Um, I absolutely love Prom Night 2. It has nothing to do with the original. The only thing that connects any movie in the franchise is the line, it's not who you go with, it's who takes you home. Um, This movie starts in 1957, and we follow the sinful Mary Lou, who is basically just living her best life. Um, She's hedonistic. She's lustful. And the movie opens with her going into a church to confess her sins, and she starts just going down the line of everything immoral that she's done. And then at the end, she says, and I loved every minute of it. And it cuts to she's written her phone number name on the wall for the priest. And from there, I was hooked. Um, I love religious horror. That's good. I love a lot of throwback 50s stuff, especially ghost stories. There is an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's one of the like filler throwaway episodes in season two. Because back then, like, TV shows had to be 24, 26 episodes a season. Um, And I think that that episode was, like, directly inspired by this movie. It's called uh, I Only Have Eyes for You. It's just, like, same thing. It starts in the 50s, and then there's ghosts possessing the people in the present. Um, So Mary Lou is literally my favorite horror villain behind the person from my number one. Uh, and it's sad because they say that she's kind of a ripoff of that person. I could see the illusion, but they really took it in their own direction. Uh, her power set is something to behold. She can possess someone at will. She, in that person's body, has reality warping powers. She's got mind reading. She's got telekinesis. Uh, she's got super strength. She might be able to teleport. We don't really know, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, so basically, she starts going to school as this as our main character who tried on her prom dress, and that's how she got possessed. Um, and then, like, one by one, she's, like, killing off any and all competition. And what I really love about it, like I was kind of saying in, in Fright Night, I love campy shit, but I love it when it establishes its own ridiculous rules and sticks to them. And yeah, slashers, horror villains are a dime a dozen, but the ones that have a motive beyond like, I just want to kill you, her only motive is to become prom queen because when the movie opens, she gets killed in an accidental prank by the guy that she was cheating on. Uh, He sets her on fire and it's right before she's about to be crowned. So all she wants throughout the whole movie is just to have this crown and she will do literally anything for it. Um, the girl who played Mary Lou in this one is, is fantastic. There is, uh, there's two more prom nights and then a remake, but the third one is the only one that's connected and they got a new Mary Lou. Um, she has a lot of fun, but she's nothing compared to the original. This movie also has what I would call shocking nudity. Um, you know, it's not the kind of movie where you expect like full nudity and extended at that. It's more like, oh, you know, it'll be like a high school fun, like, run around slasher thing. Uh, There are extended locker room and, like, shower sequences, and they're great. (laughs) So I saw this recently, meaning, like, in the past couple of years, 
Uh, and I was kicking myself in the damn head for not seeing it earlier. Uh, it's so much better than the original prom night, which is it's it's fine in itself. You know, it's it's a good prom. The first prom night is a, a solid, you know, slasher movie. Uh, but I think this blows it away. It's so much more supernatural. I like the supernatural effects. I I, I can definitely remember. Obviously, I mentioned the locker kill, but there's like a whole like dream sequence involving like a toy horse. That, that really stuck out to me. Like, little oh, yeah. weird kind of trippy stuff. Like, imagine watching this movie enhanced, if you know what I mean. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. It would, it would definitely it would definitely be something. Um, yeah, and, and the overall story, it, 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 it just fits. It just fits. It, it's, because it's a period piece, it works even better. I agree on that. So yeah, this is a. If I had the nostalgia, it probably would. If I had, if I had seen it back in the day, it probably would be in my top. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, this is one that like I will, I'll revisit pretty much whenever. It's a, it's, it's like that one. It's Halloween. I watch this every Halloween now. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it my okay? It's my turn. Uh, my number eight is John Carpenter's The Thing. Came out in nineteen eighty-two. Uh, look, uh, I am one of those guys from the eighties that hated this movie. Uh, I I am guilty. You know, I am guilty. Slap on the cuffs. I didn't think much of it. Uh, you asked me back then, John Carpenter's The Thing. I'd be like, Nah, man. If you want to see a movie. About aliens, go watch Alien or Aliens or Predator. Uh, they're way better. I, 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 foot into mouth, right? Because, <laughs> you know, after seeing so many people praise it, uh, I said, I got I to gotta rewatch it and just see what, what am I missing? So I saw it like a couple more times and, and it it hit me like a... Like a like like a roundhouse kick to the face, you know, like hit me right in the face. I'm like, oh, okay, I I get this now, you know, I get this. This is right up there with those movies I mentioned. You know, it rivals those movies I mentioned. Uh, I see the genius or the the paranoia, the um, you know, the fact that they're stuck up there, ain't nowhere to go, you know, you. You can't run away from this thing. You're going to freeze to death. Uh, the fact that you're surrounded by people, you have no idea who, the, which one of these people are actually your, 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 your people or if it's that, that creature, you know, has taken them over. So it, it, it just works on so many ways. I like the whole thing with the blood sample thing that they did to try to kind of find the alien. And obviously everybody talks about the effects you know, jaw-dropping, jaw-dropping effect. Absolutely. And in, in multiple places, like, it's one of those things where it's the kills and the effects, and, you know, people will point to that one scene, like the defibrillator scene, but there are so many kills and so many moments throughout that movie where the effects are just astounding. I mean, even even the dogs in the kennel. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, the thing is, you know, when people have this and like The Shining at their number one, number two for 80s horrors or just horror, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. They're, they're incredible movies. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed it. Sarah hadn't actually seen it. And we went to go see it in theaters when it was like during COVID, they put a lot of like retro stuff. And, um, you know, we went to the theater and they had misprinted the showtime. So we missed it. And we went home and I was like, you know what? And she calls it her last name's Busold. She calls it Busold's Law or Busold's Law, like Murphy's Law. Um, I was like, we have it. You know, we have everything. So I put on the Steelbook Blu-ray. We, we turned out the lights and she was just blown away. And it was really fun being able to watch it with someone who had never seen it, who was able to appreciate it as much as I was. All right. You're number eight. I'm looking forward to the other number eight. My number eight is a little movie called Pieces, because you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Uh, so this comes from Juan Piker Simone. Um 1982, it is a Spanish horror movie that pretends to take place at Harvard. Uh, Absolutely fucking bizarre. It has some of the most attractive cast in a horror movie, which is something we'll get to a little later. Um, It's got a batshit opening where there's a little kid who kills his mother because she takes away his nudie puzzle. (laughs) <laughs> the killer's motive is he's running around with like what I would only call a sawed off chainsaw because it's not a regular size chainsaw and it, it's, you know, kind of different, kind of shorter, but it like is only one hand and it's, you know, I mean, now they have them in every garden store, but back then, like this would have been a special mod, um, very graphic, like literally anybody that he's going to use this saw on. You're going to see these kills in full glorious detail. Be sure to watch the uncut version. I believe we've reviewed it previously, me and Brendan. If not, we've definitely talked about it. Um, Phenomenal three-disc Blu-ray from Grindhouse Releasing. Uh, I think I mentioned that when we did review I Drink Your Blood. They don't have a lot of movies, but when they do, man, they do great work. Um, I definitely recommend watching the uncut version, the Spanish version, you know, watch it with the subtitles and then watch it dub. The dub itself is like meme worthy. I mean, there's YouTube videos just of the woman yelling, bastard! Um, you know, there's the, the tennis court scene alone. And then like you said, the out of nowhere fucking Bruce Lai Kung Fu scene that goes absolutely nowhere. And then to cap it all off, the ending is just unexplainable. It's it's one of those movies where you'll watch it and you'll be like, okay, that's wrapping up. That was fine. And then your jaw will be on the floor in the next scene. Yeah. I, the only thing I can add to it is my experience. I, I really was like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> it, I didn't know that it was, I, I, I didn't know that it was a, a Spanish movie. But they're clearly speaking in English, but they're all English overdub over the English people speaking English. Mm-hmm. So I was so confused by that. Uh, there's so many different things that, that you know, uh, the movie do- isn't trying to be anything more than what it is. 
it, it is a little sleazy and it's not ashamed of that. <clears throat> you know, there are scenes there that are like where women are like taking their clothes off, getting ready to have sex. And there's like 70s porn music playing in the background. Like, yeah, like I, you just love everything about it. Uh, I, you know, I'm right, I'm right there with you, man. I fell in love with the movie the first time I saw it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the only person I know who doesn't like it is Sarah, and I always give her shit about it. And when we went to a Monster Mania, which is, you know, a huge com- uh, horror convention, I told her, I was like, I know you don't like that movie, but you, you can't say that out loud here. And she said it just to test the waters. And like four people turned around and just glared at her. <laughs> Classic. All right. So we are at my number seven. Yep. Which I've spoken about already. And that is Psycho 2, uh, 1983. Uh, Richard Franklin did it, but Tom Holland wrote it. So it's another one of those Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, but, Mm -hmm. uh, listen, uh, anybody tells me that, you know, the first psycho is better. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue. I have so much respect for the original psycho. I mean, it's Hitchcock for Christ's sake. And you know what, what I usually tell those people is is it both Holland and Franklin, when they made Psycho 2, they, it was pure homage. I mean, they threw Easter eggs throughout the movie to let you know how much they love the first Psycho. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example is the first scene involving where they go into Mother's room. Uh, they open, I think, the wardrobe door and the shadow that the door casts is in the famous silhouette of Alfred Hitchcock. So, mm-hmm. you know, the little things like that, they weren't trying to, like, you know, burn the first movie in any way. I, I, and I think it, you know, it got mixed reviews when it first came out, but now it is so loved. It is so loved. It is so interesting. I, I'll be the first one to admit you know, serial killers don't, crazy, especially crazy ones, they usually not let out <laughs> after <laughs> killing multiple people. So there is that kind of plot problem. But, you know, they, re, they he was rehabilitated and, you know, he comes back and he is technically sane at the beginning of the movie. And he, the whole movie is him trying to keep his sanity. And everybody, it seems like everybody... And they mother, pun intended, is trying to drive him nuts again. And and that's the awesome part of it. And then Perkins himself, as he's being driven to madness, his performance, that whole thing where he's like talking to his mother on the phone mm-hmm. and just doing these like creepy faces and I love it. I can't get enough of it, man. I, I can't get enough of it. It's awesome, man. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, what I would add to it, and I mean, we did both talk about it before, um, the analogy that I'll give you, and I mean, you're, you're a comic guy, you'll, you'll get this. It's like when the X-Men from the 60s that people were like, all right, this is old, this is kind of corny, jumped to the late seventies going into the eighties with the Chris Claremont era and Wolverine and all the new people, the second Genesis, 
It's like, here's Psycho, this black and white horror movie slasher, proto slasher that like, you know, put its stamp on the genre and it was like historical, but how could it possibly compete with, with Michael, with Jason, you know, and they jumped forward and they brought back Perkins and put him in a believable, engaging slasher movie where we, we kind of touched on it, but the plot is, you know, Norman Bates has been released, but people are still dropping dead. And throughout the whole movie, you're wondering, is he doing it? Is he like losing his mind and they're setting him up to lose his mind? Who's the killer? And I mean, it can go toe to toe with any 80s slasher in terms of just being a watchable movie and an engaging story. And that alone, I think, is a hell of an accomplishment. Indeed. Uh, Your number seven. My number seven. I don't know if you got a a chance to check this one out. I I know you were short for time, and I was like, yeah, if you didn't, don't worry about it. Uh, It's Nightmare City, Umberto Lenzi, also known as the City of the Walking Dead. Um, This is 1980. And 1980 was an interesting year because, you know, everybody thinks of 80s horror. They think of pretty much 84 and beyond, even though all the great best movies come from 81, um, you know, they were finding their footing and there's a lot of different stuff. So this feels like a seventies movie right in the start of the eighties. It is a zombie movie. Although Lindsay did not want it to be called one. He said that it was radioactive. It was like a virus. Um, we covered this, uh, Brendan and I, previously. He didn't like it anywhere near as much as I did. It is the, if you consider it a zombie movie, it's the first fast zombies movie. And they're, like, running. They're using weapons. They're getting into fistfights. They're assaulting women. Um, you follow a bunch of characters that are a combination of science, military, and television journalism. There's, like a TV broadcast station doing a bikini contest. And then there's just a city that's overrun by these zombies. Um, The exclamation point is at the very end, they have chased the survivors to an amusement park and they get on a roller coaster. And it's basically like the real life or movie version of that meme with the people going one way on the roller coaster. And then you've got like, you know, the skeletons and monsters going the other way. Nice. Tons of nudity, tons of violence, batshit crazy. Um, It's one of those movies where, you know, it is just a zombie movie and you might not like the ending, but if you do and you're on board, it's it's a fun, easy watch. I got a version from Raro Video, which unfortunately is out of business. They did a lot of mostly Italian obscure shit, um, but you can probably get it pretty cheap on like Amazon. And I'm pretty sure this is one of the ones that you would find on YouTube. So I will pass it back to you with your number six. You sold me on that one, by the way, I'm going to see that one. Nice. All right. So my number six is my number one, uh, vampire movie. And that is the lost boys came out in 1987, Richard Donner. Um, and, uh, look, it's, uh, to me, this movie transcends just vampire movie. It, it's it's bigger than that. It it kind of made vampires cool, you know. It gave them that kind of rocker feel at a time where vampires were just like Dracula, and you know, and and I and it was just so different. 
you know, the score, the soundtrack, everything adds to it. Uh, you know, uh, characters really awesome. You have young Corey Haim, young Corey Feldman, uh, and obviously Kiefer Sutherland, who is my favorite vampire. I mean, he's not the most powerful vampire. He's not the most menacing. He's not the scariest. But damn, is he cool, man. He's got like a platinum mullet. And all the lines that he says are just like, they just come out perfectly out of his mouth. You know? Mm -hmm. Smooth. Smooth motherfucker when, and when it comes to this movie. You know, older Keith or Sutherland, I don't know, something happened after he did 24. It feels like everything is Jack Bauer now. Everything is Jack Bauer now. Really, like, right, literally every character he plays after 24 is just Jack Bauer. Uh, and, and before that, the, there were different he, he could do different stuff. And this is one of his better, better roles. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. This is one that we revisited, um, I guess, Tuesday I was off. I, I went through just a lot. and I knew it was on your list. I was like, I love this movie as a kid. Uh, I wanted to watch it again. And, you know, it was on. Sarah's like, is that Lost Boys? She heard Cry Little Sister. She came running right in the room. Um, you know, it's one of these movies that, like, it made my top 100. I just feel bad it's not higher because I, I have nothing bad to say about it. I love the movie. It's just, you know, as I got older, there was more weird shit that, that spoke to me. But highly, highly recommended. Great movie. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that people are, are kind of like retconning and trying to say after the fact, whether it's, you know, oh, it was ahead of its time because it had like certain topical themes or, oh, it, it's, you know, outdated and problematic because it has these other things it's great watch it just you know don't don't watch the uh directed video sequels and remakes and all that crap please don't <laughs> yes please do not uh your number six i mean my number six we pretty much covered it's hellbound hellraiser 2 um, the Tony Randall's the director the only thing that i would add and we have uh reviewed this one on the podcast the original is set in England, but it's kind of America, and they're, like, you know, hiding it. The second one is just like, yeah, we're in America now. Uh, this is the one where everybody goes to hell, where their version of hell, like you said, it's a giant labyrinth. They just ratchet up the camp. Um, you know, I, I love Julia as a villain when she's, take your best shot, Snow White, and she, like, bitch slaps her. Um, you know, they do everything that the first movie did and turned it up to 11, basically, like the expression goes. A lot of fun. It's definitely has a lot of similarities with a movie that we're, uh, we're both going to cover soon. And I'll mention it when we get there. But I, I would say this is the more I don't know if it's the more adult version or definitely the more British version. But uh, if you like Hellraiser, you'll love this movie. If you don't like Hellraiser, you won't like this movie. And when that new one came out and all these people are like, you know, this this remake, requel, whatever, is the best since the original. And I'm like, these people have not seen Hellraiser 2. <laughs> oh, you know, when, when someone says that, when the new movie comes out and it's what everybody's talking about, you can always tell. And I mean, something like Halloween, I know there's people who 
like different timelines, different continuities. And I could see there's a lot of people that would put the 2018 Halloween directly after the first one. And that's fine. If, if they do that, if you're one of those people, that's great. But with Hellraiser, that movie is basically just a watered down redo of like the fifth or the, the sixth one, not the fifth one. Um, and I think the sixth one was better, but Hell, Hellbound is, you know, it's timeless. Everybody who's seen it, who is a Hellraiser fan, loves that movie. So I saw it for the first time, and yeah, it's it definitely gave me that kind of labyrinth or Alice in Wonderland kind of other plane. You're 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 playing in a different ball field, you know, ball field, and um, the effects were really. Really interesting. I like I like the inclusion of the young girl, who you know couldn't speak but could solve puzzles. I like that whole thing. You know they they didn't just they they could have just left her completely out of the movie, but no, she adds to the movie. You know I think I told you she looks like a uh, one of those gelflings from, yeah. from from the movie Dark Crystal. Yep. <laughs> she looks as soon as like you said that. Was like, yep, I see it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I I I. I it was it was like a trip, like a nice trip, you know. So another one, maybe watch enhanced. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my number five is Predator. I I I know you might not consider this horror. Eh, could be sci-fi. Could be action. It's an. I mean, awesome- I group pretty much anything with aliens as uh sci-fi unless it's just like a complete bleed but i'm i'm not gonna fault you on it you know most people would consider it hard yeah it's it's somewhere look at, at this time uh sly and arnold were trying to one-up each other and it was all about what could i do to top this guy and lo and behold they came out with predator which was this kind of like arnold horror movie and um, it really jacks up the testosterone. I mean, he got all these guys to come out in the middle of fucking nowhere. He actually had a gym built on on the set, on mm-hmm. location, in the middle of the jungle. And if you could even imagine that. So that, why? Because they wanted to keep their muscles pumped between scenes. No bullshit. Uh, the fact that, you know, little little things like... Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme played the creature for like the first half of the movie and then was kind of let go. Mm-hmm. And then they changed the, the, the way the creature looked. Very interesting. All the, all this little behind the scenes stuff, but the movie itself is just so awesome. It's just like a... It's, it's the least Arnold Arnold movie for me. Like, Arnold is not the main focus of this movie. He happens to be like the final girl. Like, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, so he, he and 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 just by plain old luck, it wasn't any. It wasn't anything he did. He was luckily able to fall into some water and get some mud on him. If not, he would have got toasted like everybody else. So uh, it's just it was just so different. It came out at a different you know at that time. It was just like that perfect perfect storm of movie that that really really did it for me um because i wasn't Ar- i was definitely an arnold fan but not to that level I, I didn't think total recall was anything special 
but you know, this was something that really it it just it just had so much damn testosterone in it. Like, oh yeah, I mean, this is like the height of 1987. You've got you know Carl Weathers right after Rocky IV. You've got Jesse the Body Ventura Circle WrestleMania three. Yeah, it's it's just special, man. It, it it it. I think it's his best, but you know you could argue some sort of Terminator two and all that. But I think it's his best, uh, and and it's it's up there with the thing. It's up there with Alien Aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, to me at least, you know, it's up there as far as the design of the the, the alien of the predator. Uh, and they didn't just go with design; they went with like a. The fact that he's a hunter, that he goes for sport. I like all that stuff. I like when they add stuff like that, make it more interesting, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so that was your number five. My number five is the original Slumber Party Massacre, 1982, uh, Amy Holden Jones. So whenever you hear, you know, there's, there's no female horror directors, there are and there were even back in the 80s because... Roger Corman would take a chance on anybody. He didn't care who you were, what you did, if you could work, if you if you had creative talent, he would put you in a movie. And uh, his only stipulation would be, well, the movie needs to have nudity because the investors want that, and I want that. But, you know, that's just kind of what you did and how you got into the business. Um, this, to me, is my favorite slasher of all time. And I think it's the best slasher of all time. It's not the most memorable. And the killer, like, doesn't even have... He doesn't have a costume. He doesn't have a mask. He's literally just an escaped mental patient. We see who he is from the first time he shows up. His name's Russ Thorne. But he's got this giant fucking drill. And he's just a menacing personality. Um, It subverts a lot of the tropes of the time. Um, the movie is basically an allegory for, you know, high school dating, losing your virginity. I mean, the, the drill being phallic is deliberate. Um, you know, you have a cast of scream queens. We kind of bounce around who the main character is. Pun intended. uh, Valerie Bates is, uh, my, my favorite final girl of all time. Uh, listen, I got nothing negative to say about Slumber Party Massacre. I, I, I it, it's so fun. Uh, I like the fact that the killer's kind of wacky. He, he does this kind of face. I can't like he flexes his jaw. I, I can't mm-hmm. explain it. But when he's about to kill somebody, he puts his face on, and that's the most memorable. That and the boobs, <laughs> yeah, are the two biggest memorable things to, 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 you know for me to remember of the movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a wild ride. You know, I, they tried to remake this and make it like a comedy and it, it kind of worked, but it, it's nowhere near the first, you know? Yeah. I, I saw that one. I was not a fan. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre 2 is, is just an absolute nightmare. Um, it's fun. It's ridiculous. It's got a rockabilly greaser ghost. It's it's fucking insane, but you know it'll, it'll grow on you. So my number four is Halloween Two. Came out in nineteen eighty one. This is my favorite Halloween movie. 
because I'm a slasher fan, I like the kills. And uh, the first Halloween, its kills are pretty tame. Uh, you know, it do, it does have a better atmosphere. I'll, I'll admit all that and all that. It, you know, it's more interesting. Uh, but for me, it's the second. Uh, I like the kills in it. Um, it, it. Michael Michael feels more like almost like a Terminator in the way he walks. He walks mm-hmm. a little bit more of a robotic type movement. I don't know if they did that intentionally or or you know. But but uh, I, I I love I work in a, I just happen to work in a hospital. It's my main trade, so it's a hospital slasher, and he uses all these like hospital hospital uh, utensils, scalpels, you know. He goes these. <laughs> yeah, he, he 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 goes all out, uh, and and the kills are really inventive, and uh, and and creepy. Uh, there's one where. He, Sticks a needle through somebody's temple. Uh, he drains another lady of her blood slowly. I, I, I just, I, I can't get enough of it. Uh, and it has some character development. You know, you got characters like Bud, who are very memorable in what he says and you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not a big Jamie Lee super fan like that. So the fact that she was like asleep through half the movie wearing a wig doesn't bother me that much. Uh, but I know I'm in the minority on that, you know. I mean, we're, we're on the same page. Um, I, I love the movie. Sarah loves the movie. It almost made her top 10, just missed it. Um, you know, it's what, what surprised me because I did some research. Um, you know, Rick Rosenthal is credited as the director. And in the original version, there wasn't really any nudity. There barely was any kills. Um, and they needed to figure out how Michael gets to the hospital. So famously, you know, John Carpenter wrote this movie. He came up with the whole sibling connection, which I've always, I've been a fan of. I think it's the only thing that makes sense in that universe. Um, the scene where for basically from when Michael kills the neighbor to when he's walking, like you said, like a Terminator and he hears like the radio saying, you know, Laurie Strode has been taken to the hospital. John Carpenter shot and directed all of that himself. And then while he was doing pickups, they came to him. The Akkads were like, you know, we need nudity. We need more kills. And he's like, oh, fuck it. I'm here. I'll do all that. So just like with uh, Spielberg, with Poltergeist, but not to that level, Carpenter unofficially directed like half this movie. And it's all the great parts of the movie. I did not know that. I just want to add the intro to the movie also with like a like a skull inside of a jack-o'-lantern mm-hmm. that 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 kind of intro i still think it's the best intro of the, of, of the whole franchise because it's so creepy in the way that it starts out just like the, the first halloween did but then the, the the jack-o'-lantern cracks open and there's this creepy ass dusty skull inside of it with like cobwebs all over it. i just thought that was it's it 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 just did something to me, and then you add the fact that the theme song was a little bit more gothic. Uh, I like that about that. You know, they, mm-hmm. they changed the theme song just a little bit, made it a little bit less synth and a little bit more gothic, and it just worked. I, th- I thought the whole movie worked really well. Completely agree. I think it really like sets the tone for this one's going to be more sinister. This one's going to be supernatural. Um, 
our favorite line, especially Sarah's favorite line, is you know right in the beginning, and Loomis has so many, but when he goes to the neighbor. And he says, you know, oh, we've been trick-or-treated to death. And Loomis just whirls around. You don't know what death is. Classic. Classic. All right. Uh, so that was your number four. My number four is one of the podcast favorites. I know this is going to be in a lot of the other people's top tens. Uh, we have reviewed it. We're going to play, I think, just a clip from that later on. Night of the Demons. 1988, Kevin S. Tenney, a.k.a. the movie that Sarah and I basically fell in love over. Because when we first started talking, you know, she's like, oh, I'm a horror fan. And I was like, well, what's your favorite horror movie? And she says, Scream. I'm like, okay. You know, my favorite is what my number one is. Most people know. But, you know, it's also a little bit of a normie pick. So I asked her what her number two was. And she starts talking about Night of the Demons. And I was like, oh, she's for real. And uh, that, you know, led to one conversation, led to another, leads to a date, and here we are now. So uh, we we absolutely love this movie. You know, we're big Linnea Quigley fans. And um, there's there's just, you know, we, we've covered this movie extensively. So anything you want to add to it, feel free. It's just so 80s and yet so sexy all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love that about it. it, it it's just so... It really just wants to. It it's not it's not afraid to go there. It's sexy as hell, um, and uh, I, I, you know, it's one of the few movies that have like a dance scene that's very memorable. Uh, you know, I, I love that whole Angela dance. Mm-hmm. Classic. Uh, I thought that they were very creative in the way they transform into these demon like characters. Uh, you know, and even the intro to the movie was very, very cheesy 80s. I, you know, I love 80s cheese. Oh, like the whole, like, animated comic yes. book type thing? Yeah. Yeah, it just gets you right into that. You know, mm-hmm. It gets you right into the movie. And we are at my number three. Uh, so your number three, we're going to hold gonna for skip. my number one. We're going to skip that one for now. Okay. So you can do your number two. Okay, so my number two is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Um, you know, people talk about how popular legacy sequels are right now. I would say that Dream Warriors is kind of a legacy sequel. Uh, because it does have legacy characters coming back and stuff like that. It just, since it was only a couple of years between the two movies, maybe it is, maybe it ain't. I don't know. Uh, no, it definitely is. It, yeah. you know, so I just thought that, and, and this is nothing, I have nothing bad to say about Elm Street 2, because I, I, I've, I've fallen in love with Elm Street 2. Uh, but 3 is just the perfect sequel for the first one. It, it really is. It gives it that legacy kind of feel to it. And it has the character development that a lot of slashes just don't have. Mm-hmm. You, you fall in, you, you, you kind of fall in love for this, you know, group of misfits in a hospital and you don't want them to die. In, in, in most slasher movies, you don't care if they die. You kind of, most of the time you want them to die. And this group of kids, you really, you're rooting for them to survive. 
Uh, and that's what does it, and that's what adds it. It adds a kind of, you know, twist to it. It also is the perfect, because I, I do feel like slowly through each movie, Freddy gets funnier and funnier and, you know, less scary. This one probably is guilty of the first one with the one-liners, with the, you know, with the, with the very funny type kills. Mm-hmm. But it still has the the fear with it, like it still has the fear with it. Uh, the fourth one, he goes more Hollywood. I, I thought the fourth one, he goes more Hollywood. But yeah. the fourth one is also a great watch too. So I'm not really negatively putting anything on that one either. I just felt like, yeah, if you're gonna point the finger at where it began, <laughs> this was probably it. Where like mm-hmm. Funny Freddy kind of came out. But I th- I I do feel like there was still a, like a, a a scary part to it, um, and uh, I I thought all the, the all the new characters really added something. I it was so much more, even though this is a low budget slasher movie with a very limited budget, this felt like a big budget effects uh, movie. You know, mm-hmm. with, with with all the different effects that were in it, you, you, it's almost like a miracle that they were even able to pull some of this stuff off. They had to they had to do like stuff like stop motion, you know, to kind of cheat around some things and all that. But I thought everything came out looking really, really good. All the dream sequences really worked. Uh, there's that big scene. It, it, the the Elstree movies don't really get too much. They don't get too sexy. But there is that scene with the with the nurse, which you know any young guy who saw that back in the day, they're gonna remember that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 it's definitely something that's stuck in the back of my head. You know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, 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 it's just like a perfect sequel that can rival the original. I don't think it's as scary as the original, but it's it's definitely like one of the best sequels out there. Um, and that's 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 why I love it. Yeah, no, I mean, I I love it too. Um, I am one of the the weird people who actually prefers the fourth one, and I wanted to challenge myself for my top ten that I would only pick one per franchise because I knew otherwise, you know, a couple of them might have made it in. So I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, all right, so I'm gonna do my three and my two, and then we'll finish off with my number one, which is your number three. Uh, so number three is Lucio Fulci, The Beyond. Uh, we have reviewed this on the podcast. Uh, it's one of the ones we may actually made Justin watch. And he liked it, but, you know, it, most people will watch it and be like, I, I don't know what the hell I watch. Um, were you able to watch this one or no? This is no, this, this one I didn't get to see. All right. So I'll, I'll say very little about it. Um, it's part of a thematic trilogy from Fulci that was City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, and House by the Cemetery. Uh, Basically, all of these movies feature zombies in some fashion. This one is a lot more ethereal. It's like a ghost story. Um, There's kind of elements of, like, the end of the world. And the... uh, If you've seen the movie The Void from 2017, I say that that's, like, kind of an unofficial remake. So that'll kind of let you know what you're getting into. Gotcha. Uh, and then my number two 
is Dimani, a.k.a. Demons, 1985. Uh, this one's from Lamberto Bava. I got to break your balls a little bit because you did say it was Dario Argento. It's a Dario Argento presenta. Uh, it's it's kind of like with Wes Craven, they put his name on the Dracula 2000 trilogy, but he definitely didn't direct that. Um, Argento would not have been upset to have his name on this movie, though, because it, it's phenomenal. And we were fortunate enough to uh, see this on the first in the city. We actually were, you know, trying to get you guys to go. Um, they played it with Claudio Simonetti's Goblin played it live. And it was just an incredible experience. Capped off our three-year anniversary because on our first date, I wanted to see how much of a horror fan she was. And I'd already told her about the movie. I brought it over. We watched it. And, and she loved it. So. I was like, yep, I'll stick around. <laughs> uh, this movie is just absolutely batshit. It's people trapped in the theater. They start turning into demons. They're watching a movie about people turning into demons. Then there's just a worldwide outbreak. There's one of the most heavy metal soundtracks imaginable. Uh, there's a scene where there's a guy on a motorcycle swing a sword while accepts fast as a shark plays. And I mean, that's usually what people will say in their reviews as a selling point. And it, it's definitely one hell of a sales pitch. Yeah. I characterized it as like Italian evil dead mm -hmm. with more of a, more of a zombie type of template, you know? Um, and uh, it's, it's awesome, man. The effects in this, there's like one moment in the middle of the movie where like somebody like transforms something growing out of their back. I, I, I was, I, my jaw was dropping throughout all that. You know, oh yeah, crazy. the effects are insane. In oh that my movie. god, my god, the effects are just so awesome. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely, you know, it, it's a shame for anybody. Living here in the states, if they don't try some of this stuff, you gotta try it. I'm not saying you're gonna love all of it, but you really gotta try. It. The Italians know what they're doing. Man. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I don't love all the Giallo stuff, mm -hmm. but but I, I, you know, for every like five movies, there's like one or two that I'm like, God damn, this is good, you know. Uh, and this was one of them. This is one of them that I was like, shit. This is some good shit right here. Um, so, yeah, D Demons is awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, fittingly, Sarah and her tow truck just arrived, so that's good. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's hit the number one and your number three. To nobody's surprise, 1984, Wes Craven, Nightmare on Elm Street. I have talked at length about this one i did a, a solo rush review i mean i bring it up any chance i get it is not only my favorite 80s horror movie it's my favorite horror movie so frank take it away what do you got on it um look uh a nightmare on elm street made me made me a, a slasher fan uh you know i was already a horror fan but not necessarily a slasher fan it was watching the Elm Street movies that made me a slasher fan. Like I said, I saw the third one in theaters, and I said, I got to go back and watch the other two. And to my surprise, the first one scared me like 
four times more than the third one did. It's it like it's and it's like on a a list of like that you can count on one hand of movies that actually scared me. It's not it's not a lot. It's like three, three to five movies total. So it's just the imagery in there is just so fucking creepy. It's very dark. Uh, the Freddy that we all know from the sequels, he's nowhere to be found. He's more in the shadows. He's he's not saying much. He's he's more make he's more creeping around behind you, making you know scratching up his his glove to the metal to try to you know scare the shit out of you because your fear is what he's getting off on. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many layers to that. Uh, Craven really, he's, he's a damn genius, you know, when he brought up all this shit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it is just a special type of movie, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just that special. I'm, I'm with you. You know, it's definitely a movie that when I was younger scared me, but as I got older, I don't know if you know this. I mean, everybody else does. Um, I have narcolepsy. So the idea of a, of a villain that can kill you in your dreams and when you go to sleep is, is extra terrifying. Uh, and that's actually why I love part four so much, because, you know, having the condition, knowing what it's like, they definitely set it up that Alice has narcolepsy. And that's basically how she's in and out of sleep. And they, they say she's daydreaming. Um, you know, and that's kind of where her whole Dream Master thing comes from. So, you know, I always wonder, like, would I be able to take Freddy? I don't know. I've had plenty of uh, prompted and unprompted Freddy nightmares over the years. This is a movie that, like, I'll just put on whenever. Um, and then I'll just keep going down the list of the franchise, watching the good ones. You know, it's it's just an all-time classic. I love... Um, I mean, pretty much everything about it, but, you know, I've, I've written extended reviews, discussions, fan theories. I mean, I even came up with that theory that tied it all together through the character of Kristen. Um, what I love about the original is that if you look at just that movie, it's basically not only is the whole thing a dream, but it's two dreams and it's all set up throughout. And when you start to look at things that could be written off as like, you know, low budget and bad writing, it's the kind of shit that would happen in a dream like they say in Inception, it's like, you know, you just appear at a restaurant. How did you get there? That's that scene on the bridge when in real life, Johnny Depp just wanted lunch and they were like, all right, we're going to roll. You can eat, um, you know, the, the uh, over the top, like audio tape that he's playing, the cassette tape he's playing with the car crashes and the, the shooting and like nobody really comments on it. And Nancy had been having a serious conversation with Tina and then they just kind of get distracted. I mean, that's the kind of shit that happens in a dream. So you can go back and you can like pinpoint all the moments and everything and be like, oh, wow, they're, they're really kind of setting it up and giving it away. So it's uh, it's very cool. Yeah, so it's, a miracle, our, it's uh, a miracle the movie ever got made because like at that time, nobody wanted to touch it. I remember there was a movie called Newsweek and it made almost no money. And so I know when Craven tried to shop it around, nobody nobody even wanted to touch it, you know. Because movies about dreams just didn't work mm-hmm. at that time. 
damn, did he prove everybody wrong with that shit, right? I mean, well, I mean, yeah, it's you know, it, it put New Line Cinema on the map. That's why they call it the house that Freddie built. Yeah, good old Bob Shea taking a chance. So we've only got one movie left, and that is my number one. Uh huh. And, and it is Aliens. Came out in '86. Just happens to be my favorite year of movies. Uh. And uh, made by James Cameron. Uh, I go back and forth as to, you know, there's the age-old argument, what's better, Alien or Aliens? I I really don't have an answer for you. Like, you know, they're they're so, they're different, but the same. They're the same, basically the same story, but very done, done very, very differently. This Mm -hmm. one's more military. This one's more action-based. Uh, it it it's it's deeper. Um, it's got like this kind of uh kind of motherly kind of sub subplot that you might not even notice unless you watch the extended version. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 turn it it turns Sigourney Weaver into like a badass because in the first one she really was just. Almost just like a sex symbol in those little panties that she, you know, had on at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. She just happens to be the person who survives the whole damn thing. Uh, but in the second one, she's she's the one like, you know, uh, duct taping two two uh, two rifles together, you know, loading up. And uh, I I just want to say because I know I know your podcast does a lot of trek. Uh, this is this is a nice little Easter egg. If if you didn't know, at the end of the movie, when um, when she's stranded with Newt, waiting to get picked up uh, by Bishop on mm-hmm. the ship, the score that's played is the score from Star Trek Two. Oh uh, shit! It, you could you could go just fast forward right to that spot. Yep. No, I know exactly when she thinks Bishop left, and she's Bishop. God damn. Yes, exactly. And and it kind of is perfectly placed there because it kind of ramps up that moment. Um, you know that kind of orchestral, you know, explosion there. Um, so I I just found that so interesting Mm -hmm. when I noticed it. I'm like, is that? Is that Star Trek being played there? And I looked it up. It just so happens they use that. Um, and is that uh, Horner or Silvestri? I think it might be Horner. It's definitely not Silvestri. Okay. Uh, but it's definitely the guy who did all the track. He did, he did two. And that it's part. It's from two. It's interesting because I didn't realize that a lot of movies do that. Like uh, a, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Avengers movies use the Predator theme in, in their in their stuff. Oh yeah, Infinity War has a lot of Predator theme in it, um, and so does Endgame. So it's I I I always find that stuff because nobody really concentrates on like score, you know, when they talk about movies. Really, it's more of a, like a niche thing. But uh, you know, look, I, I I thought that the Queen Alien that was all done practical effects, having like what three fucking people on each other's backs with this big thing on them. Mm-hmm. And it looks so fucking real. And the fact that they made you believe that there was like these like hundreds of aliens when in reality 
they I think they only had six yep. on the screen at, at at all, you know, total in any scene. But they made you believe that there were aliens everywhere. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's movie magic right there, man. That's just movie magic. And I always mention character development. They introduce you to all these Marines, that you get to know them, you get to know, you know, each one for what whatever they are. Yes, they all get they're all kind of cannon fodder. They all get pretty much all taken out. But I always like it when they do that, you know. Uh, so, you know, and, and and the alien is almost not the villain. <laughs> the evil company. Yeah, now Burke is, the corporation is. Yes, the, yeah, Burke is more villain than the alien. The aliens are just like a force of nature, really, right? Just like yeah, I mean that's that's even what Ripley says. Yeah, yeah, it's just like just like the Jaws movies. I always say Jaws isn't isn't really the villain. You know, the shark is not the villain. You know, it's the system. So in Jaws I, too, but not in the first one. <laughs> money, money is the villain. Mm-hmm. They need that money, uh, but yeah. So I, look, uh, Cameron is a special guy because, like, the dude knows how to make a sequel, man. I, I think he's proven it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, he, absolutely. Yeah, he, even his new sequel to Avatar, I think, is way better than the first Avatar. You know, which is basically just dances with wolves with blue people, right? So. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he was able to up that one, I, I'll, I'll give him that. You know, he knows how to make a sequel, man. No, definitely. Um, all right. Well, those are the top tens. I mean, you know, I, I picked up Sarah. So when she comes back, I'll actually introduce you. But uh, she's in the bathroom real quick. But if you wanted to keep rolling with our special category, we can. I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm keeping you from your lady. So I feel bad. She hasn't complained, so I can do it. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, let's let's do it. And then, like I said, when Sarah gets back, I'll just uh, jump in and introduce you. Uh, right. So this is the, the Frank Stout Jr. special. Top 10 or more. Hottest babes. Yeah, I didn't do this in any particular order. I didn't either. They're not ranked. <laughs> I just made it into two separate lists. One One is entire movies and one is individuals. So, I saw that. I picked up on that thread and did the same thing. Great mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So as far as entire movies, I had Savage Streets just because, um, I mean, let's just put it this way. At one point in the movie, they have like a shower scene where everybody is pretty much naked and they have like a battle royal fight. Of oh, There's nothing but boobs and soapy water and showers and women beating the crap out of each other. That, that's what you're in for with this kind of movie. It is. Mm-hmm. Linda Blair is the headliner. The Lynette Quigley's in there. There's a whole bunch of beautiful women all, you know, sprinkled throughout. Uh, is the movie uh, high-end cinema? No. <laughs> no, it's not. Is the story very interesting? Probably not. Not really. It's just like a cheesy revenge story. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I think it's up there. Pieces, we mentioned pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it, it's gorgeous, gorgeous women all throughout pieces. And they're all taking their clothes off, so that's a nice plus. Killer workout. Well, on that note, real quick, Sarah's back, so let me formally introduce you. Sarah! Sarah! Mystical Frank. 
Hi, Frank. Nice to meet you. Oh, it's about time. It's a pleasure, man. Oh, man. I, I've, been, I've been watching your channel. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Listen, I'm so happy you recovered. Uh, me and Roxanne, we're praying for you. Oh, thank we're you so, so much. Happy. Yeah, it was, it was a perilous summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, and um, we're just so happy about that. You know, I tried to, I, I work in a hospital, so I tried to give whatever input I knew, uh, you know, to, at the time. So I'm just glad you guys got through it. And, and, and my whole thing throughout that whole time was I just didn't want you to be in pain. I know, yeah. you know, you know, Josh told me that, you know, you, you were reluctant to take like pain pills and stuff like that. And I was like, look, just pain, take the pain pills, deal with anything else later. I don't, yeah. I, I just, I just, the thought of you just being in that kind of agony. Ugh. It was, you know. it was, it was excruciating. I, I often joked. I was like, I don't wish this on my worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are uh, doing our, our favorite babes and entire cast and individuals. So oh, yeah. we may miss the top 10, but oh, okay. he did have aliens on there. This is number one. Woo-hoo. <laughs> so should I continue or? Yeah, you can continue. All right, so uh, I'm up to, okay, so killer workout, a lot of nice, nice looking women uh, doing aerobics, not a bad thing, taking their clothes off half the time, and for some reason, people are dying and they keep coming back to the gym, which is really stupid, but that's like the, the, that's like the, the charm of the movie, (laughs) the fact that it's so zany that why would anybody come back after somebody dies, but. All right, let me keep moving. Chopping Mall, uh, you know, the movie's about, like, killer robots, but they're killer robots trying to kill a whole bunch of horny people inside of a mall just trying to get with each other, and uh, there's a lot of um, talent there. Well, it's a Jim Wynorski movie, so, of course, there's going to be, like, you know, full locker room scenes in the middle of a shopping mall. Exactly. Uh Hitcher in the Dark was one that you recommended to me back in the day. I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed kind of like a kind of like a psycho ripoff, right? Uh, um, yeah, that's Umberto Lenzi, and um, it was like his take, kind of on the Hitcher. And then he just was like, "Yeah, I'm going to call it Hitcher in the Dark." Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. That was that was good. That that had some like talent, as as, as I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. The New York Ripper, which is might be the sleaziest uh, uh, slasher I've ever seen. Um, oh yeah, we we uh, watched that one. Sarah will agree with you there. Yeah, mo- most of it, most of it, uh, pleasurable. Some not with the whole foot thing. I, I ski feet. So mm-hmm. that entire scene with that Spanish dude sticking his foot, you know, into that lady. Yeah, across the table. Yeah, uh, if they did like a footless scene, uh, a footless version of the movie, I, I would prefer it. But other <laughs> the than that, cut. The movie, <laughs> exactly the footless cut. Uh, but the movie's awesome, uh, awesome movie. Uh, the Prowler definitely loaded with talent. Phantasm Two, I, I, I prefer it over the first one. It's like a road movie. Yeah, That's definitely. Really, really cool effects coming out of nowhere sometimes. Mm-hmm. But also, it is more raunchier. Um, I mentioned humanoids from the deep. A lot of, a lot of, 
a lot of people getting it on, so to speak. Uh, might be this. The, my next one might be the king of this whole list, and that is Forbidden World. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> ridiculously like the, the, the uh, lead the, man the in, this, in that movie. I think the lead man in that movie, like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the lead man in that movie. I think he gets with like almost every woman on the screen, like by yeah. the end of the movie. Uh, and then there's Nightmare Weekend, which I've admitted is is not a good movie, but. It's so raunchy and ridiculous that I I love it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's move to individuals. I'm gonna run through these quick. <clears throat> Cat people, uh, which is a very strange, where Panther movie were involving incest. I always found that the, the story to be kind of odd, but weird, but in a cool in a cool way. Uh, and Natasha Kinski is gorgeous. She's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, uh, that one was really on my list. <laughs> and, and I saw her in a movie you recommended recently. Uh, I think it was a devil movie. Uh, oh, to the devil a daughter. The, yeah, the movie that she, killed Hammer. Yes, that uh, she she was stunning in that too. She was a little she looked a little younger, I think, in that one. Yeah. Um, Halloween four, uh, the Meeker daughter. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was always mad because the Halloween movies don't really get too sexy. So the most you get is her like kind of like pulling her shirt up a little bit. But mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, uh, she she was I thought she was like the best looking girl in the, on the in the movie. Uh, my next two are more like honorable mentions because they're crushes of mine. From other movies. One I was going to Van- say, probably from other movies, yeah. <laughs> Vanity was, you know, Vanity's like a big crush of mine. She was in The Last Dragon, but she mm-hmm. happened. I spotted her in Terror Train. So once I spotted her in Terror Train, I'm like, okay, all right, that's Vanity. Uh, another, another honorable mention is Phoebe Cates, who plays in the horror movie or horror comedy Gremlins. Um, she's actually my biggest crush of all time. So, but but more because of the Fast Times movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Samantha, who's played by Judy Aronson, I immediately spotted her because I was a big Weird Science uh, fan, a fan of the movie Weird Science. Mm-hmm. So, so I made the connection there. Very similar situation. So I, I kind of, she was the hottest. She was the hottest girl in that movie for me. In part two, there's Terry, and I believe she's the one who's like really extra tight clothing. She's wearing like really yep, like the almost tall one. like yep. pa- almost painted on like clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she she was gorgeous. I'll admit that. The movie Life Force, which I don't think much of the movie. Oh, I love uh, that movie. But, yeah, but but I do love, I, I love the premise, the whole space vampire thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that uh, Matilda May was absolutely stunning. And absolutely. she's naked the entire movie. The entire damn Kudos movie. Kudos to her. Walking around, yes. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, Friday 13th, part five. Uh, Debbie Voorhees. Mm-hmm. She had some nice assets. Um, 
And uh, I've always liked Nancy from Elm Street. Uh, I, I, I like that kind of girl next door look that she has with the freckles. So Heather Langenkamp, shout out to Heather Langenkamp. Like I, I, I was crushing on you. You know, I, I, I loved, you know, she was adorable to me. She was more of an adorable one. Um, you know, even when she wore those cheesy pajamas, I thought she was good. I was thought, thought she was hot. Uh, jumping more on Elm Street, Kristen, played by Patricia Arquette. Uh, again, uh, something about uh, she has like bad, like she has like a bad tooth. I always found that sexy, even when she was in True Romance. I, she, I always thought she was hot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a movie called The Dead Pit, which is also another kind of hospital type horror movie. I like the hospital ones. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, you know, the Cheryl Lawson plays uh, uh, like this woman who's kind of like, you know, a mystery woman. And she pretty much walks through the whole movie in her underwear. Yeah. And I couldn't take my eyes off of her. Not because of the underwear, but I just thought she was so good looking. So uh, that is my list. Those are the ones I came up with. Those are the ones that really stood out for me. Okay. Uh, I'm going to run through mine just real quick. Full movies. I've got Dead Spa. Uh, We're on the same page with Forbidden World. Got Murder Rock, which is another Fulci. Nightmare Sisters, Sorority Babes, and Chainsaw, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. You know, you got Linnea Quigley, Michelle Bauer, Frank Stevens, uh, Slumber Party Massacre, which we covered, and um, Stage Fright, which is another uh, Italian one. Uh, and then for the individuals, uh, you pretty much hit most of mine. Let's see. I said Kelly Preston from Spellbinder, and uh, we said Barbara Crampton. Uh, movie called Nightmare or Nightmares with uh, Jenny Newman playing Helen. She was great. And then the uh, sequel to Suspiria, Dario Argento's Inferno. Uh, There's a model that shows up named Anya Peroni and she plays like the third witch that is supposed to be uh, the one from Mother of Tears. And then we've got uh, Ava from Enigma. Ever was ever with those light eyes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as any of you who listen know, we had some car trouble. I had to go get Sarah from a Pep Boys, so we unfortunately kind of had to rush through the end. Um, yeah, I was behind the scenes with Frank, and we were doing the uh, our favorite babes. So I kind of rushed through my individual list. I was backing out of my mother-in-law's driveway. There was a car coming at us. Sarah's like, you got to drive. And I couldn't see in the dark. So let me run back through that right now. I did touch on some of them. Uh, We did the full movies. I'm going to add to that. I had Prom Night 2, Nightmare Beach, Happy Birthday to Me, April Fool's Day, and Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. As for the individual characters and actresses, I mentioned Enigma. You've got Ava, played by Lara Nazinski. The Seventh Sign, the immortal Demi Moore is Abby Quinn. Spellbinder, the ever-sexy Kelly Preston is Miranda. Uh, the Unholy, the woman was just credited as Succubus or Demon. That's Nicole Fortier. Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, which is a movie that did not come up, but we both enjoy. 
Uh, Melody, played by Carrie Whitman, was actually a playmate, and I did not know that watching it. She looks very, very sweet, very girl next door, and then she's having some crazy sex scenes and getting fully naked, and it's like, oh, okay. Uh, I did mention Nightmare with Jenny Newman. We, of course, talked about Barbara Crampton, and then I did mention Inferno. So that was the rest of my list. Uh, so, yeah, that's our list, and uh, this this was a lot of fun, man. I just want to thank you for this opportunity, man. This was awesome. Um, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be pushing this big time, and as you know, I, I, I plan to advertise it on my channel. Uh, but listen, this was an experience, man. And, and you notice in the vi in my videos, I'm a little bit more wooden. You can see I'm a little bit more easygoing, speaking just just straight up vocally. No, oh, yeah, no, I mean, we, we had, you know, lists, but we weren't really going off of a script. It's a lot more relaxed. I mean, you know, again, I apologize about all the technical difficulties and just, you know, cutting. Thanks for being amenable for that. You know, as I said, shit happens. And as we call it, Busold's Law. <laughs> no, this was great. This was great. No, no, no need to apologize. This was awesome, man. You guys have a great night. Let me know when it's done and it's up. Yeah, I'm gonna, like I, I said, wait. I'm going to go through. I'm going to put it together. I'm going to edit out, you know, the things that need to be cut. And um, I don't know what the max time limit is. I think we went over it. So it'll probably be split into two parts. I'll, I'll send you two parts and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. It'll go up before Halloween, definitely. My you goal is to on. get it all done tomorrow morning. So. I want Roxanne to say hello. Hold on. Yeah, absolutely. Ah. Darling, yes. say hello to Josh and Sarah. Hi, Josh. Hi, Sarah. Hello. How are you? How are you guys? It's another banner night for us, but I luckily had, and I mean, he was phenomenal. Yeah. We, we had a great talk. I'm sorry I kept him so long. No, and... it's fine. I'm watching basketball. I'm all there good. You go. So. <laughs> I'm all poor, good. Poor Sarah got a, a flat tire. Oh, and, you know, I heard. We had all sorts of fun road okay? Is everything okay? Well, the car is uh, at Pep Boys and will be worked on tomorrow. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm okay. It was, uh, you know, hopefully the car is okay. <laughs> Aw. I think it'll be okay. She just I didn't think so have too. a spare, so I it's think time to so get a new too. tire. Yeah. Okay, guys. So let's say good night and uh, let me know. Let me know how it all comes out, man. Definitely. All right. All good right, night, my brother. Guys. All right, all Frank. Right. You come back anytime. Thank you. Yes, Bye. and and when you get with the with the Star Trek guys, I'm down to jump in there too, man. I, I don't have the type Definitely. of Star Trek knowledge that they do, but I know a little bit, you know. I I will pass that along because they're I, they're going slowly through the movies, so. Oh, no, please don't tell me that. Oh, okay. Let me know when they're doing their next one. All right. You got it, brother. All right, man. See ya. Bye. 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 So from the city that never sleeps, from the BK. See my face peace, baby. Seems I got a pocket full of dreams, baby. I'm from New York. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. 
I want to give a very special thanks to Frank Stout Jr., just a guy from Brooklyn, YouTube reviews and rankings. From here, we are going to hear from some of the rest of the crew and uh, eventually my lovely wife. And we might even have some uh, retro reviews and former podcast segments for you. So without further ado, I will turn things over to Mr. Justin Ayotte. And uh, I had some predictions for his list, but I've been told that they are wildly wrong and he kind of dismisses exactly what I thought he was going to go with right off the bat. Hey, it's Justin. And um, I am recording a segment for Josh's top 10 80s horror movies. Now, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you will know that... What the fuck am I doing on this podcast? I don't know what I'm doing on this. I am not a horror guy. I only watch the horror movies that Josh and Brendan want me to watch. Um, but <laughs> it just so happens that I've watched at least 10 80s horror movies. Um, I did want to make a joke uh, recording for this. Um, I did want to... <laughs> um, I wanted to include some of the ones that were on like Rotten Tomatoes and Letterboxd as quote-unquote horror movies, um, like Predator and Gremlins and Beetlejuice, um, but I'm not a normie. I'm not a Joey. I know that those are not really horror movies. Aliens, it's not a horror movie. So, I am going to count down my top ten. 80s horrors, horror movies from a real expert, yours truly. And uh, so right now, I'm just going to blast through this list. Um, this isn't going to be long for me. Um, honestly, this preamble is a, probably the longest you're going to get from me. Um, mostly because half of these movies, I don't remember like a ton from the movie itself or why I actually liked it. Um, but uh, yeah, so... Um, also, like, one, two, three, I think we've recorded, like, at least three or four of these in a podcast already, so you can probably catch my thoughts on some of these if you go back and listen. I'm sure Josh will include episode numbers or maybe clips from those episodes, because I know he was going to do that on some of them. Um, anyway, uh, so... Number 10. Number 10. Uh, Night of the Demons. Yes, um, as you remember, did not quite like this movie. But, gotta fill out a top 10 somehow. So, that ends up at number 10. Number 9. Poltergeist. Um, yes, I have seen this. I actually watched this when I was a kid. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, not, not the great... You know, I, as an adult, I don't really like like it too too much but i do like it a little more than that night of the demons movie which was hilarious um number eight uh the beyond um yeah that was a weird movie too um uh we did a podcast on that one um number seven uh prince of darkness um yeah that was uh I actually didn't mind that one too, too much. It wasn't the greatest movie. I was kind of met on it. Um, the concept was really interesting because that was the one, I believe, where, like, 
the alien stuff was in the the aliens were like monsters and it was like the priest who was trying to like um that was trying to get it all going or whatever um yeah that one was uh that one was decent um number six Cujo um nothing is scarier than a fucking dog that's trying to like fucking just rip the shit out of you especially since I'm a guy that loves dogs um that was probably the scariest shit for me honestly that should be number one but it was just that the movie wasn't all that good that I have it so low but in terms of scare level uh Cujo is really up there because I'm like oh the poor dog um Number five, The Shining. Um, Cause you gotta love Jack. And, um, I, you are my number one a guy. Yes, I do like Jack from a lot of other movies. Um, The Shining is not one of them, but, um, it wasn't a bad movie. Um, I remember liking it generally, and I like, I remember liking Jack in it. Um, here comes Johnny. Um, number four, uh, Forbidden World. Uh, this is one that we haven't talked about yet. This is one that we, uh, have been meaning to do like a, like a triple play type of podcast thing with Brendan, me, Josh, and Brendan, um, about like sci-fi movies. Um, technically, this is also considered a horror movie, Forbidden World. Um, this was actually not that bad. Um, I really like this one. Um, now we're going to get into the movies that I actually liked. Um, yeah, that one was really good. It's, um, um, hold on, because I'm going to, I'm going to mix this one up with, uh, the other one. But this is the one where the guy, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one where the guy, um, hold on, hold on, I really don't want to fuck this one up, because I do remember liking this one. Forbidden World. Yes, okay, so this was the one where the guy is like, um, he's, he's, um, he's from Earth, but it's like Earth in the future where they're already, like, gone through like it's almost like star trek kind of where they like have like this like space um ship people that like go through and um check on colonies and stuff like that so he has to go and check um he has to check this research lab that's doing like a bunch of testing and everything on like these like aliens um on a different planet and um these like seven people have been like cooped up together for like years and all the they're all horned up because like it's like the same like five people that they've seen um so all the women just thought fucking this dude that just shows up from the federation or whatever and um then this like thing like gets like you know unleashed and it's almost like uh it's almost like alien meets um what other movie that kind of remind me of it's like alien meets um i don't know it escapes me right now but, um, yeah, it's really interesting. It's a really fun watch. Um, if you're into, like, sci-fi stuff, um, I would definitely, um, go and, uh, go and watch this one. 
Uh, let me get back to my list. Number three, The Dead Zone. I really, I remember really liking this movie. Um, honestly, this one's more of a thriller, I would say, than a horror movie, but it is considered a horror movie. Um, I really like this one, uh, The Dead Zone. Let me pull it up. A little bit of it. The Dead Zone, which is also a, um, Stephen King, um, it's based on a Stephen King book, um, directed by David Cronenberg, um, this one, I believe, was a Josh suggestion, um, or it might have been a Brendan suggestion, one of them, uh, but yeah, it's got Christopher Walken in it, um, it's got Tem Tom Skerritt in it, who, um, is in, uh, Top Gun, um, Martin Sheen is in it, um, yeah, and I think that's all the big names. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so he's, so, so Christopher Walken has the ability to see into the past, present, and future life of anyone who he comes into physical contact with, um, and so then that, um, shows, like, the future of some people, you know, how they're gonna die, you know, people who have died, um, he was in a coma for five years. I really should watch this again. But, um, yeah, this one was a really good watch. I remember really enjoying this one. I thought Christopher Walken was really good in this. Um, I do feel bad that, like, I can't really give, like, specific shit that I like about these movies. Just because I haven't watched them in forever. And if I was a little more prepared, I probably would have rewatched all of these before recording this for Joshua. But, um, hey, Joshuaween. You know what I mean? We gotta do this. Um, number two, um, this is going to be the pop hit, but it's, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, I always really liked, um, uh, what's his face, England, um, as Freddy, um, this one, the first one, it's really the only one I really watched out of the Nightmare movies, um, and I did really like it, I remember, um, watching it as a kid, and, uh, wasn't a huge fan, um, you know, scared the shit out of me. Um, but, uh, I did watch it again, probably like six, seven years ago. Um, and I enjoyed it. Um, I probably should go back and watch the first Halloween movie. That would probably be up here too. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, um, honestly, I don't even know when, maybe Halloween was a seventies movie. I don't know. I can't remember. Josh will correct me. Um, and, uh, so yeah. So, um, yeah, this one, you know, it's, uh, the normie pick, I guess, of the list, but, um, and my number one is going to be really surprising. Number one. Number one on this list is Prom Night with Jamie Lee Curtis. I really like this movie. Um, it was a really fun movie. Um, it almost kind of was like... I feel like this is what a lot of, like, those, like, 90s teen movies were based on. Because um, it really gave you that vibe of, like, um, you know. Um, it was, like, it was almost like they took Carrie and they, like, jazzed it up a little bit to be, like, an ensemble group. Um, I know there's other people in here that were famous or that will be famous that were in it. Um... 
Um, um, there we go. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Leslie Nielsen, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I'm not recognizing the names, but I feel like there's people on here that I do know. Um, but anyway, um, I did really like this movie. Um, it's a slasher that's basically at the prom. And um, they're all out to avenge the girl. It kind of reminds me of... Um, it would be like the original version of... Um, maybe like What You Did Last Summer. Um, that kind of is kind of what it reminds me of. I know what you did last summer. Um, but all these kids, um, were like, uh, um, all these kids were being murdered, uh, because they all had something to do with, um, uh, one of their classmates' death, um, when they were kids. Um, they would tease her and shit, and then they ended up, like, basically killing her, um, and then now they're like prom and seniors and stuff like that. And, um, you know, somebody who's close to them is going around and murdering them all. So, uh, yeah. So it's, it's a, a really fun watch. Um, not, I shouldn't say fun watch. But it's a really interesting movie. Really interesting watch. Um, I would probably go watch it if I were you. Um, I just reached the 13 minute mark. And I felt like I didn't really say anything at all. But, um... I hope you enjoyed my picks. I hope this makes the, the list uh, audio clip thing. I don't know who else is doing them. I know, uh, yes, Brendan. I think his Sarah. Um, and he's doing it with his buddy. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know who else he asked to do it. Yeah, he's doing it with his buddy Frank. Um, yeah, I don't know who else he asked to make a list but this is mine uh so peace out girl scout uh hopefully you enjoy the rest of the pod later well justin definitely subverted my expectations here i'm thinking he's gonna run with things like ghostbusters gremlins poltergeist terminator and uh he kind of threw that out right away and said he's gonna run with some real horror movies um gremlins absolutely a real horror movie but you know you do you Glad to see that you did actually enjoy The Beyond. It's a movie that takes a couple watches, or at least some thinking about. Uh, So we are now going to run with a retro review for the original Night of the Demons. Definitely a podcast favorite. And then we will hear from my lovely wife for her top ten. So yeah, tonight we are doing for Halloween the 1988 classic Night of the Demons. And I believe this is the first time Justin had ever seen this one. Um, yep. Steve, you've seen this one before, I'm guessing? Yeah, first time I watched it was like five years ago or so. Okay. Um, so yeah, we usually go around the horn as, how did you hear about it? How did you find it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, we could start with you. Uh, how did I hear about it uh, from you about what, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Three weeks ago. <laughs> and, uh, today was uh i mean not today uh about a week ago was the first time i watched yeah i know i was i was pleased you were one of the first ones that you watched it so 
And we were going to have Brendan, but um, he was not able to watch it. And I think he got called into work. So we will, you know, keep it up in his absence. Um, so you said five years ago, Steve, what was your, uh, how'd you find it? Did we lose him? Dropped out. Uh, uh, he might have dropped out. Okay, we'll come back to him. Uh, Sarah, how about you? So this gem, uh, I, I ran across actually in a blockbuster. Um, we were, and when I say we, I see, I mean my brothers and my mom and I. We would go to uh, blockbuster uh, every Friday night. We'd pick out movies and uh, we would watch them over the weekend. And this was one that uh, I picked out and made my brothers watch with me while I was a kid. Uh, I remember being very taken with the uh, actual cover. Um, I had seen Freddie, I had seen Jason, and they make a reference to both of them on the cover. And I picked it out. I was like, Mommy, I want to watch this one. And how old were you? Uh, I, I shouldn't have been watching it, I but mean, you, you know, the, the, there there were a lot of questionable things that happened in my childhood <laughs> in the movies that I watched. But this is actually a movie that you and I really bonded over. Yeah. Um, when Josh and I first started dating, he shared with me uh, his many lists of favorite movies, and this was on his horror, and I think it was number eight at least at the time, yeah. and. I responded with, oh, my God, you know, Night of the Demons. He's like, you've heard of Night of the yeah. Demons. So <laughs> impressed. And it went from there. Um, so, yeah, uh, Steve is back. So, Steve, when you said five years ago, how did you first find this one? Uh, I think I just found it through just a list of like people's list of like favorite horror movies. And I was like, oh, apparently a lot of people that I follow enjoy it. So I might as well give it a try. And yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, no, this is one that um, I hadn't seen all that early. I was surprised. And then when everything started getting like the Blu-ray, Blue-Teak Renaissance, um, Scream Factory put it out and they do like their, you know, two disc collector's edition. And I said, oh, shit, Linnea Quigley, all these other people, I got to watch this. And, you know, of course, I absolutely loved it. Jumped into my top 10. And um, yeah, I've, I've seen it many, many times, most of them with Sarah since then. And we have the Steelbook that they put out, which is probably the best possible version. It's got like all the behind the scenes, special features, all that cool stuff. And, um, you know, I mentioned I used to work for NECA. Obviously, I wasn't there when they did this, but they started doing uh, exclusives for the Steelbook. So they did one with a, I believe it was Angela. And then they did another one with uh, Suzanne. So that was pretty cool. Um, all right. So I'm dying to hear Justin's take on this one. How much did you hate it? <laughs> um, I'll say that I was not a fan of the first half-ish. Um, and then the second half, it got better. And I okay. actually enjoyed more of the second half just because of all the weird stuff that was happening. But the, the first half, it, it's like really slow. Um, you know, it's... You know, nothing's really happening. What's happening is kind of like okay, um, but then like once all like the weird crap starts happening and stuff like that, it got somewhat interesting. But uh, yeah, overall, I was not was really not a fan overall. <laughs> well, I appreciate you 
making the effort, watching it, and you know, doing the podcast. I know you did Hellraiser and wasn't a huge fan, but I figured this one, mm-hmm. at least it's American and it's really fucking campy, so you probably get a kick out of some of it. <laughs> I, um, I did get a kick out of, uh, oh, now I'm blanking on the guy's name. Uh, like the very stereotypical uh, New Yorker, New Jersey person. Sal. Oh, yeah. Sal. Sal. Yes. Yes, by, yes. Uh, Billy something. Uh, Billy Gallo. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, had me cracking uh, up the whole time. Wheeler. Yeah, he had me cracking up the whole time. I'm like, oh, my God, this is what, like, you know, people who have never met a New Yorker or a new person from, like, the metro area, you know, that's what they sound like. Well, that, so he's actually from Brooklyn. That was the wow. real him, and that was probably his so first movie. It's probably um, just kind of hamming it up. Just, you know, Lords of Flatbush. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so usually we, we do a quick run-through of the movie. Uh, this one is from director Kevin S. Tenney, who had previously done Witchboard, which Sarah has not seen yet. Oh. Um, Justin, you, you'll definitely love that one. It is a poltergeist meets Ghostbusters with a lot of the same type of cast and crew. Um, and then a few of the actors, the guy who played Stooge, Linnea Quigley, uh, they were in like three movies together. They were in Nightmare Sisters, they were in Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bolorama, uh, and then this. And it was like all in the same year. So we were watching it again today, and like you could really see like the camaraderies there. And I was telling Sarah, I was like, oh, yeah, they're like real friends offset. So. Um, so this one is about basically just a Halloween party, uh, which was the original name of the movie. And they had pretty much done the whole movie under that title. Uh, they even did the animated opening credits. And then they got a cease and desist from Mustafa Akkad being like, you know, I own Halloween. You can't use that word. So they had to scramble to redo everything. And they said that basically because the logo for a Halloween party was small enough, they just had to come up with something longer and larger, and they just put it right on top and got away with it. Wait, so he owned the copyrights to the word Halloween? I mean, you know, if uh, Paris Hilton can own that's hot, Mustafa Akkad can own Halloween, I guess. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, yeah, he had some good lawyers, I guess. Usually, uh, like, common words like that and phrases and stuff like that, and especially in the name of a holiday, I would imagine, is off-limits. I know yeah, that I was, stuff is off shocked. I mean, basically what the guy said, because we were watching, like, the behind-the-scenes, he said, you know, we had um, whatever type of lawyers, they said they were okay, and they said, yeah, you might be okay on this one, but you'll never have them again if you go through with this. So they backed down. Uh, but it worked out because if they had called it Halloween Party, I think it would have gone over – like something like Hell Night, which is kind of a cult classic now, but most people have never heard of it. Night of the Demons gets two sequels and a remake that's terrible, and um, <laughs> starring Eddie Furlong. And um, you know, it's it's definitely one of the like most beloved ones of all time now. Um, they were trying to basically catch the end of the slasher craze, and they set up a supernatural type slasher, and. Um, you know, they, they reuse a lot of the same footage. So basically walking through the plot, you have a bunch of characters that are all going to this Halloween party and you find out it's at this place called Hull House, which has all this like really bizarre lore behind it. It's got the whole cliche Indian burial ground. And even before that, the Indians wouldn't go there because they were like demonic spirits. And um, there's a underground stream that they're supposedly not able to cross and all that comes into play. And you really do have like this eclectic cast of characters 
is, you know, the main is uh, Judy, played by Kathy Pobwell. And um, she's got, like, this bizarre little brother who's barely in the movie, but you think he's going to be a big part of it. Um, her ex-boyfriend, Sal, who's, you know, super Brooklyn, and he's supposed to be, like, this bad boy, but he's, like, the best character in the movie in terms of, like, you know, morality. He's always trying to save everybody and stop the monsters. Um, then you have the two party girls, and then you have Roger, who's, like, ultra-religious, kind of nerdy, and you don't know what the hell he's doing with these people. He doesn't want any part of it. And then you have uh, Judy's new boyfriend, Jay, who's like 40 years old, supposedly in high school. And the best part I said to Sarah was like, you know, he doesn't actually have a Halloween costume. He just is dressed like Miami Vice because it's 1988. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's also Stooge. Mm -hmm. There's Helen. Uh, and then another couple, uh, Franny and, and Max. Yeah. Yep. So there's, uh, I think, 10 total. Yeah, they, there's a you lot know, of characters. They go, you know, to, uh, you know, the famous Hull House and they're partying there and they have a seance and they waken said demons. And one by one, they uh, start to become possessed and havoc ensues. Yeah. And there's just a lot of fun spots, good one-liners, good callbacks to the one-liners. Um, you know, the demon itself looks pretty cool. Everything in this movie was practical effects. Um, I know Brendan had confused this with Demons, the Italian movies. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. It just does have very similar creature effects. And what still blows my mind is the voice of the possessed Angela, who I always thought was Frank Welker, because it sounds exactly like Dr. Claw, is not Frank Welker, which is like the one time he didn't do a voice. No, he did. He was uncredited. I thought it said there was something else was the voice of the demon. No, it was. He was uncredited, though. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then. It was Dr. Right. Claw. All right. That makes sense, then. I, I was, like, losing my mind. I'm like, really? It wasn't him? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it's... Uh, gotcha. It's, it's got a hell of a body count. Uh, it's got Amelia Kincaid's really creepy dance, which she does she, in every movie. Well, she choreographed this herself. Yeah, because she was a dancer, right? Mm-hmm. And, um... She's also a pet psychic. Uh, there you go. Yeah, the guy who, who wrote <laughs> oh, this boy. did another uh, movie that I like called Night Angel, and we were looking him up, and apparently he's like Dan Aykroyd. He's super into like the occult and paranormal research, and he's been like funding that shit for 30 years. And, um, you know, it's, it's got uh, a lot of gore and a ton of nudity, which you can't go wrong with in an 80s horror movie. Well, it does have Lenny quick. Well, she, she gets naked in pretty much everything. And we're not even talking just, you know, topless. Like, she, she goes full she frontal. She just show it off. Right. And uh, also is one of two 80s movies where the creepiest shit little brother is hiding in the closet and makes a comment <laughs> about his naked sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other one is Elves, where the line is even worse than this movie. <laughs> and of course, yeah, that was weird. his brother's name is Billy. Yeah. Because everybody's little brother. Every, every little brother is Billy. And then you've got this amazing wraparound with this like surly old man and his wife. And he's doing the old razor blades and the apples trick. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah no, that was that was so, so odd. I was actually talking about this with Josh earlier when we were watching this. And um, at least in New Jersey, it's like an urban legend. Mm -hmm. Like I remember my mom telling me about, you know, razor blades and uh, and in candy, not necessarily even apples, just, you know, mm -hmm. being careful. And we always had to check our candy. Uh, and 
I remember seeing this actually before Halloween too, where it, you know, you also see the razor blade in the kid's mouth this time. So they, uh, you know, I I guess, uh, I don't know if this was the start of it. Uh, Maybe Halloween two was the start of it, or if they just helped perpetuate that urban legend. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was uh, through the seventies into the early eighties. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was like an urban legend because I think it actually happened once or something, and I think that's why. Like that's people... how every urban legend uh, yeah, starts. I mean, we, yeah, we looked it up, and there's no documented case. Really? And I like huh. remembered that it actually happened in like the next town over from me because my dad was like, "Oh yeah, it happened to this kid I knew," and I guess it didn't. So uh, there you go, urban yeah. legend. Well, I, I think that's I think that's us of a certain generation and age that you know would uh, you know get told that by our parents. I'm sure nowadays, you know, I don't even know if kids go trick or treating that much. It seems I like mean, it's mostly yeah, teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Justin, this was your first Linnea Quigley movie. Uh, yeah, because I'm not even sure who she is. Is, she, is yeah, that in, blonde that's... one? The, oh, the okay, party girl, blonde one, Suzanne. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, because I don't recognize her from anything else. So yeah, I think this was my uh first movie with her. Mostly in eighties horror movies, and um, they are pretty much all fantastic. Uh, what about you, Steve? Um, no, no, I've definitely seen quite a few movies with her. Well, I would imagine Return of the Living Dead, but knowing you, probably Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Yeah, Sorority Babes, (laughs) Slime Bubble, Arama, Nightmare Sisters. Uh. He was in Savage Streets, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So I think that might be, unless there's something else I can't think of right now. I think that's all I've seen her in. Uh, what else you got? You got Vice Academy. You got Fairy Tales. Witchboard. She was in Witchboard? Yep. She's the one that dies in the shower. Huh. Wait, I'm sorry. Witch Trap. Witchboard is... Oh, so saying, yeah, I don't think she was... Yeah. I've seen Witchboard. I don't think she was in Witchboard. Yeah, no. My bad. Um, but yeah. So although we're talking, we're we're saying about how she gets naked almost every every movie. She actually doesn't get naked in Sorority Babes. I know, is... and that's that's the one where she has like the best role and she gives the best performance. Yeah, right by far. But yeah, now this movie definitely could have used Buck Flower. I mean, he he makes any movie better. He plays the uh, the surly janitor who can't hear anything in Sorority Babes. Okay, and uh, you know. Classic lines like "It's tighter than a nun's cut in there." <laughs> uh, oh my god, that movie is amazing! Oh yeah. So, so speaking of nuns, Justin, I know you haven't seen the sequel, but if you thought that this one, I was going to say, what are you referring to? My Catholic school days. What What if I told you that the second one is about a Catholic boarding school, and our pretend main character is Angela's lame little sister we've never seen or heard of? So the movie's about everybody else, including Sister Gloria, who is a uh, kung fu nun who, who battles with like a rulers fence, and fencing kung fu yes, nun. rulers and rosary and like there's there's karate sound effects behind everything. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Any final thoughts on this one? I don't know. It's it's up there for me in terms of favorite favorite horror movies, definitely. Really? Okay. Like, is... probably top probably breaks the top twenty, cracks some somewhere in there. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's it's easily my favorite Halloween set horror movie. Which apparently there's not many of them. No, there aren't many of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's this. There's obviously the Halloweens that aren't set on November 1st. Uh, and then there is Jacko and Hack-O-Lantern. That's all I can think of. 
What there's about really oh yeah trick or treat i guess hocus pocus there's really not like a whole lot of uh movies set on halloween in general which is kind of weird yeah because um, i was kind of looking that up just to get like you know kind of in the holiday spirit i guess and oh, yeah, it was just mostly like, like a, a shitload of christmas horror movies but not that many yeah halloween. yeah well even just halloween movies i guess in general like you know stuff that's like not scary or whatever but around halloween like mostly it's just like tv episodes yeah and i'm like you know that's that's tens of what uh that's kind of what it tends to be you know it's kind of weird so oh justin you'll appreciate this um the scenes where angela is gliding down the hallways the way Uh they did that you remember those little square scooter things we had in gym class okay they just had her stand on that put her arms out and they pulled it and they, and reused, then they reused that shot like eight times. They reused the that same shot within the movie several they, times and then in the sequels. They shot this one and I believe Nightmare Sisters like back to back and then they ran out of money on both. So a lot of it was just reused footage from both movies. Oh, oh, you know what it I did want to bring up? Shot. Mm-hmm. You know, what I did want to bring up was um, when I was watching it and towards the end, obviously, I think we're going to get into spoilers here. Um, yeah. But uh, so at the towards the end, when they're in that like uh, boiler room, where mm-hmm. they have like the the natural gas, you know, oh that's the crematorium, <laughs> yeah the crematorium, yeah that has like the you know propane or natural gas or whatever going to it. It's like first of all, for the amount of time that she like had that open and cut the line and stuff like that, that entire room should have blown up and they all should be dead. But like it was just hilarious how it just was like a stream. That went like towards the yeah, like it was a flamethrower. I'm like, this is hilarious and awful. I actually said the exact same thing to Josh earlier, and I was like, shouldn't that's not how that works. (laughs) For some reason, I don't think they were going with realism here. No, they weren't. (laughs) I think the original plan was for them to utilize the underground stream because you know it's mentioned and it just really never comes into play. Uh, and then unfortunately it does in the third one and it's almost like the old headless horseman where once he hits the bridge like it just turns into like you know flame dust and floats (laughs) what do I say hello I don't know what to say to them hello hello how do I talk into this phone all right. Hello. Viewers? What? Do you, they're not viewing anything. Listeners? Duh. Um, hello, listeners. So, um, I've been asked to interlude a little bit here. This is Sarah. Just not the Sarah you're expecting. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm trying to do a little Halloween mix rooney So, I have been asked to read... By Justin, um, the other Sarah's list. So Sarah, who's usually on the podcast. However, I was asked to read it for her, so I will do that now. And apparently, I'm also supposed to provide some sort of commentary. Um, but I haven't seen half these movies, so honestly, it's gonna be me trying to guess the plot, which is always hilarious because I'm usually way, way off the mark. But you know what? That's okay. So, I've also been instructed to count down. All right. So, 
Hanging out at number 10, we have The Shining, which was released in 1980, 18 years before my birth, so that might uh, totally null and void anything I'm about to say in these next 10 minutes, but hey, what are you going to do? So I feel like that's the classic one. Everyone, you know, has seen it, even if you may not know like 100% what goes on or whatever, it's the one that's always referenced, so... I think it's a classic horror film, you know, like a lot of the stuff that came out around the time of all the movies we're pretty much talking about, um, so I would agree, um, I don't know, actually for me it might be a little bit further down the list, but, you know, that's just me, um, number nine, Child's Play with a release year of 1988, again, I would say the same thing. Um, I also think it, for me, kind of is one of the ones that's very visual. Um, like when you think of Child's Play right away, you can kind of picture in your head, you know, what the person is talking about, like what the movie was about, because it kind of just sticks with you, I guess, in terms of like the graphics or whatever, at least for me. So yeah, that definitely deserves to be on here. Number eight, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, 1984. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, I would say it's just a classic. Like, a lot of these are just classics. And, um, out of all the ones on this list, though, I'd say that one probably has, like, top three plots for me. I'd say, like, one of my favorite storylines out of all the ones on this list and just horror in general. Um, and I think it's also just, like, told really well too with casting and costumes and makeup and stuff so um I'm a huge fan of night huge fan of Nightmare on Elm Street number seven is Beetle oh my god rewind number seven is Beetlejuice with release of 1988 um I love Beetlejuice too it's one of the ones that always I kind of like laugh when I see it on like a horror list because I guess in my family growing up like we always just we kind of found it funny I guess like maybe it's an inside joke so I always laugh when people are like oh yeah horror movie but I mean it is again going back to like visuals and graphics and costumes and makeup yes obviously but I guess that's kind of like a personal connection to Beetlejuice um which again I think is just another one of the greatest horror movies of all time, I would agree, because, again, I think the story is just told really well, um, and I'm also an English teacher, so if everything is about the story, I'm sorry, that's kind of just how my brain works, um, I also just think great casting in Beetlejuice as well, like, everybody was perfect for their part, I would say, which, although some of these movies are, like, great, I would say that's one of the top ones that has really great casting. Um, I mean, they all pretty much do, but that one for sure was, like, perfect. Um, number six is Gremlins in 1984. Don't think I've seen that. Or don't think I've seen that where I was paying enough attention to, like, tell you. So, is it about, like, the little elves or something? Like, the little, like, elves or No? I don't know. That's me guessing the plot. When I think of Gremlins, um, 
Justin is looking at me with, like, complete concern in his face. Listen, what do you want? So, Gremlins... Based on, like, how it's always been discussed around me, isn't it, like, the little, like, elves or something and they're, like, haunted? Like, that's what comes to mind. I'm definitely way off the mark, but that's kind of part of the fun. I think that's why Justin picked me for this, because he knew shit would not be making sense. Um, five, Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers, 1988. Absolutely. 10 out of 10. I'm just a Michael Myers fan, so... Like, you can just move that one to the top of the list. I have to say nothing less. Jamie Lee Curtis, my queen. Um, number four, Aliens, 1986. I laugh at this one because I think, Justin, you might know what I'm talking about. My mom's story of being an EMT reminding her of the movie Aliens. Mm. So, again, personal connection. <laughs> I always do kind of laugh at Aliens because... I have that personal connection of someone telling a funny story about it. So it kind of makes me laugh when it's like on a horror list. But again, yes, it is a horror movie, but it makes me laugh. I don't know. Uh, Three, Night of the Demons, 1988. Never seen it. No clue. Um, I'm going to guess... I don't know. I'm thinking like Stranger Things, Aged, Group Boys... On bikes. Somehow they end up getting haunted or coming in contact with a haunted thing. Let me guess, it's trying to take over the town and then they have to stop it. Yeah, like lukewarm. All right, I'll take that. That's what I picture in my mind. I don't know. Uh, two killer clowns from outer space, 1988. Never seen it. Don't feel like I have to. I feel like the title's giving me everything I need. I don't know, but maybe I'm totally off the mark on that one. I'll have to confirm. Number one, The Blob, 1988. That, um, I would not expect that to be number one. I mean, I'm not hating on it, and I'm sure there is valid reason, but if you had shown me this list and said, hey, rank them, gonna be honest, my order would have been way different, but, um... You know, it's kind of cool to see how people, like, all interpret the same movies, you know what I mean? Like, we're all watching the same thing, but we all take it so differently. So, The Real Sarah, I would love to hear your rationale behind all this. And, um, The Real Sarah, yeah. Um, I would love to hear your rationale. And, honestly, I probably have no right to speak because I haven't seen half these movies. So I'm probably biased towards the one I've seen because I actually know what's going on. So, like I said, that might null and void everything that I've said here this evening, but I did my job. You did a good job, honey. Thanks. Thanks. Yes, Josh wanted me to do this, but I thought it would be funny if my Sarah did his Sarah's list as like a little Halloween prank joke. So there we go. All right. So on to the next one. I don't know where this is in the group of Halloween horror top tens, but you're going to have mine in there, too. You'll have Brendan's in there. You'll have Josh and Frank. So there we go. 
Well, that was not my wife. Uh, unfortunately, she ran out of time, but Justin and his Sarah, uh, a.k.a. the real MVP, they stepped in, and we want to give them a very, very special thanks. Uh, now we are going to run with a retro review for the Beyond, and then we will finish out with Brendan's Let. <laughs> I got you to watch uh, my fifth favorite horror movie of all time. Yes. 1981 visual spectacle, The Beyond. Um, what were your initial thoughts? Because I know you you were the one who came to me and said, like, hey, I, this is uh, playing at the Tarantino Theater. I might go see it. Yeah, I was so bummed I never got to see it. Um, but yeah, The Beyond, been on the watch list for forever. Yeah, after being, you know, I know it's one, yeah, like you said, your fifth favorite horror movie and just one of your favorite movies. Um, I really, really liked it. Um, it's definitely one of those ones where after I watched it, I was like, hmm, I want to watch that again just to like uh, maybe see what I missed. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. If I had to score it like on a, I don't know, initial viewing, I'd probably go like either weak four and a half or strong four out of five. Uh, I really liked it. Um, Compared to the other, you know, Italian horror movies that are generally held up, though, like some, like Suspiria is my just favorite horror movie ever. I would mm-hmm. say that's like comparing to that one. Like I put Suspiria way above this personally. Well, um, I mean, I do too. Initial watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and I will say, just I, we'll get obviously get into the plot. Plot wise, not what I expected. It's not what anyone expects. Um, so before we get to that, Justin, did you know anything about this before jumping in? The movie or about the guy? Because you talk about the guy all the time. Uh, the movie. I mean, I do talk about the guy all the time. Uh, no, I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know it existed. You said, okay. hey, I would watch this and we'll pot it. I go, okay, I guess. And upon watching it, uh, your thoughts? Uh, what was my exact quote to you? I was like, what the fuck did you have me watch? <laughs> yeah, well, like that. that's, that's pretty much what Sarah said. So, uh, well, She, she did not like it. She does like demons, but she she did really? not like the beyond. Which, it's not for everybody. It's not very oh, yeah. linear. Um, it's probably the most... David Lynch of the Fulci movies and uh, a lot of people have described it as a visual nightmare not in like a negative way just in like this is what like a dream would look like or a nightmare would look like um it does have a plot and a through line but then there's just a lot of shit that happens because sometimes when Fulci makes movies he gets bored and then he just like falls back on zombies and gore effects and then he just goes on to other things especially in his earlier movies um, yeah, definitely. A lot of this movie could be like a, I mean, you could put the scenes in almost any order and not much changes. Yeah, so there is a plot. I'll, I'll walk us it through was it. The, it. It was the one with the hotel, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. So this one is actually part of a thematic trilogy. Um, I don't think it was planned to be a trilogy, and it doesn't even really work in order. But the they're all, of course, Fulci movies. It's uh, House by the Cemetery, City of the Living Dead, which uh, Brendan and I will definitely recommend to you that one. Uh, Justin, you can skip that one. There's some great kills, but it makes even less sense than this one. 
Uh, House by the Cemetery is just fucking bonkers. Um, neither of them have anything to do with this, but they call it the uh, uh, Gates of Hell trilogy because one of the alternate names for this movie is the Gates of Hell. Uh, and then the I uh, see the British or the American release name was the Seven Doors of Death, uh, because all Italian movies, you know, they they have like multiple multiple titles. Twenty titles. Um, so this one starts with a black and white back in the day of a person who runs this hotel that is basically the the gate to hell is in the basement. Um, is violently put to death for practicing witchcraft. Yes, the uh, artist. Uh, his name's yeah. like Schweck, I think? Schweck? Yep. I don't remember how you pronounce it. Um, yeah. you, you get, right off the bat, like, just some really great shots, but I'm sure that's the point where Justin was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> when you say, when you say the, the door to hell is in the basement, it reminds me, it's like very different than the Goosebumps don't go into the basement episode yeah um so this one is set in new orleans most of his movies are set in new york or what he pretends is new york uh by way of italy and was this actually shot in new orleans i mean it did look like new orleans to me uh there's like a couple shots i think and then the rest isn't um and this one stars a famous italian actress uh, who has many different names depending on the credits uh, this is Katerina McCall, plays the main character, Liza. And she inherits the hotel from the guy in the beginning, who I think was her uncle, or her great-uncle. And she's basically just trying to fix it up. Uh, so this one's from 1981. There is a lot of exorcist and uh, shining imagery. And, um, you know, I, I'm on record as saying 81 is in the top two best years of horror ever. Uh, this obviously being my favorite of all of 81, which is a hell of a year. So um, from there, it gets a little bit hokey. Um, there's, you know, people in the town who are aware of the quote unquote gates of hell uh, and all the kind of rituals leading up to it. Um, she's just trying to repair the hotel and there's a plumber slash carpenter and his family who kind of get caught up in the curse. And basically just weird shit starts to happen. Um, you know, there's the plumber carpenter basically falls off of a ladder. Um, then he turns into a zombie. Um, his wife is in the morgue and a vat of acid falls on her face. Yeah, I mean, the I guess the through line... It- if you were to say there is one, is that it seems the uh, the book, um, uh, the book of I don't know, if, do they give it a name? Hell, I guess. Yeah, I forget what it. the it, it says like, the translation name is. It it's basically like, the book of the damn. Yeah, it says like Abon on it, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it um, says Abon on it. And yep. yeah, I guess yeah, they, never the really ex- they never really explain like why everything's like coming to life. I feel like. Um, well, that's, that's aside well, from the fact that like, she just like do things and he'll just be like, you know, because and you just kind of go along with it. Um, there's a psychic girl who might or might not be alive at different points in the movie, might be a ghost. Then she's definitely not a ghost. 
Um, oh, uh, Emily? Reads, sorry about Emily? Yeah, yeah. She reads from the book and she goes blind. And then um, the carpenter's daughter uh, also ends up going blind, but then she becomes a zombie. Yeah, that that did not make any sense to me. Like, what, what was going he, he on? just wanted zombies at that point, is what it was. Yeah, I really thought going in, because I knew, like, the basic plot was that, um, you know, Liza inherits the hotel and it's the gate to hell. I thought it was going to be, without having seen a trailer or anything, demons, you know, something like that is yep. coming out of the basement. She has to close the portal, but it's not really that at all. I mean, like you said, it's zombies. Um, I, I'm curious, Josh, I have not seen City of the Living Dead, but I have seen The House by the Cemetery. How are these two movies related? Because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I would say, mostly remember the plot of House by the Cemetery, and it's like literally nothing like this movie. <laughs> so, the I'm little sure. kid from House by the Cemetery might or might not be one of the main characters in City of the Living Dead. City of the Living Dead is about a occultist order of priests who basically start the apocalypse and thematically it'll end up in this movie. They're they're not really connected, but okay. you know, fans like to say like, oh, it's this thematic trilogy. It's okay. like the uh, the Carpenter Apocalypse trilogy. Right, right. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, I um I liked it. I guess my thing is not with every genre of movie, but with horror movies, I typically like a more through line in the plot where mm-hmm. as opposed to where this is like I said, once the killing starts, most of the movie I feel like aside from like the first fifteen and last fifteen minutes, most of this movie you could like recut in any order and not much of significance changes. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with I, that. I mean, I really liked, uh, you know, what's her name? Uh, Liza? Katarina um, uh, McCall, yep. Yeah, yeah, she, she's fun to watch. The uh, Doctor, uh, Dr. John. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like their, like, little back and forth they got going, especially once they link up at the end. Um, but yeah, so, some, some things did just kind of confuse me. Like, uh, for example... The like we see that the wife of the was it the plumber, they both he's like, a plumber carpenter. Yep, plumber carpenter. They both die, but yet back at the house, like five minutes later, the plumber's there, like in the in the bathtub. Yes, um, so I definitely... like, is, it, is that actually his body? Uh, like what's like what's that implying? So there's um, a couple of scenes with ghosts, but they're not like you know ethereal or floating sheets they just look like you know living bodies um i believe that's supposed to be one of them another theory is there are a couple shots with the plumber carpenter that are just edited out of sequence and left in like (laughs) yeah i mean i i buy that um Um, most famously this movie the spider scene uh (laughs) is is part of the montage when toby mcguire first gets bitten by the spider and, and has like the uh you know nightmare dream yeah, montage. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yep. I would assume this is a favor favor of Sam Raimi's. Oh absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's you know obviously Tarantino, but you know, Raimi, um anyway, Eli Roth, I mean like everybody when they when they reference Fulci, they reference this one. Uh one of his first movies, Don't Torture a Duckling. <laughs> 
and a movie that is much more about ducklings, uh, which we will cover next. Um, but yeah, no, I, overall, I liked it. Um, I will say, you know, when comparing, I feel like when it comes to Italian horror directors, the three that are brought up the most are Fulci, Mario uh, Bava, and Argento. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, at least of what I've seen, Argento kind of feels like clear the other two. Whereas I feel like this movie, visually, very good. I mean, like you said, like you had talked up the gore in this, and, and it delivered. It, it was great. I mean, Italian directors, there's no one better at like shooting blood than these guys. Um, but I will say, parts of the movie definitely felt, I, I could see the budget. Compare that to, I guess, maybe... He's just better at utilizing it, but Argento, with his budgets, I feel like really, really maximizes like every he squeezes every penny out of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he's definitely got more of a visual flair. You know, you can see it in Suspiria, you can see it in uh, Tenebrae, you can see it in Inferno. There's a lot of like you know colors that just pop. Yeah, a lot of it, really, like, famous shots. Like he he loves the shot of the woman in the rain sitting in the back of the car. Yes, his movies. Uh, Fulci just likes to stab people in the eyes. True. Yeah, and and I would say, generally speaking, of what I've seen, Argento tends to have the better scripts. I would argue as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, uh, Fulci. I, I've only seen I think three of his movies, but uh, I, I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. Well, one of those guys who, I mean, his movies were made to be seen at midnight at a a grindhouse theater, basically. I mean, that's what he was born to do. Oh, yeah. No, and I, so, you know, beyond the horror, I think you would really enjoy his westerns. Um, you know, he's got a few, like, quirky comedies, some crime dramas. Westerns. I could see him. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's phenomenal at westerns. But like I said, there is one movie he did that is literal Oscar quality. And it's, it's like the best thing he ever did that's not horror. And that's uh, The Conspiracy of Torture. The Italian title is Beatrice Sensi. If you can find that, because like, there is no U.S. release, I would have bought it immediately. There was one put out by 88 Films, but it's Region B, uh, or Region 2, whatever it is. But if, if you can find that one online, it's definitely worth a watch. And it's like a, a period piece drama about like you know shit in Europe I didn't even know about, and it's phenomenal. Interesting. Um, so moving on to the next. Oh, well, before we do that, I will say um, I highly recommend the Beyond. You know, we can yes. tie it back to Doctor Strange and shout out Bob Morowski Grindhouse releasing again because they actually put out a three disc of the Beyond uh, with the soundtrack, which was really cool. Uh, and that was, I think, the first thing I ever got from them. Uh, the quality is amazing. It's actually smaller than the other ones that I they put out that I've recommended, so it fits better on a shelf. And um, I think they're going to be redoing it and putting out like one of the 4K UHDs in the near future. Um, there is a very loose remake. I mean, it's it's its own movie. It's not supposed to be. This is more a ripoff than a remake, but it's very well done. I would put it in the remake column. Uh, and that is the 2017 movie that you can find on Netflix called The Void. Uh, it would definitely be more in line with combining uh, City of the Living Dead and The Beyond, but it was great. Uh, I believe it's Canadian. And, I've uh, seen that movie. Is it actually like 
like technically considered a remake of this? No, I, I consider oh. it one just because oh, okay. the plot elements are, are so in line, especially the ending. But yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, but I, I would recommend that. that. I'd obviously I recommend, recommend this. And um, if you've never seen a Fulci movie, don't start with this one. Uh, I would I probably say start with Zombie, aka Zombie <laughs> Two. That's yeah. easily his most famous. That's the one everybody goes to. The makeup, yeah, the score, and that is is next level. Um, but you know, if you like what you see and you like Italian horror, definitely watch the Beyond. And uh, as and as somebody who did start with this as their first uh, Fulci movie or whatever, yeah, definitely don't start with this. Not yeah. that it was all, not that it was horrible, but it's just like you know, some of it I doesn't mean, really make sense. And yeah, definitely, you know, not. I get it. If some of us, well, like, and, and uh, I get it. You know, you're not really a horror fan, so as always, we we applaud you taking the journey on, especially on the harder yeah. ones. Well, um, you know, that was pretty much like Sarah's take, and you know, she does love horror, not so much Italian horror. It, it has to really grab her. You know, she didn't know what the hell was going on. She enjoyed something she saw, and then other things she's like, I can't even follow this. I don't care. And uh, then she, yeah, I both. think, I think you need to like kind of have like a more abstract look at movies and stuff like that. And you know, if it doesn't really make sense, it's supposed to make sense in like a thematic sense or whatever. I would, like, I would classify this as a vibe movie. Like you're just into the vibe of it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, you yes, know, if, if, you're, plot, if you're just if you're just really into like. If you're just really into plumbers, like, you know, getting lost in a basement and then all of a sudden, like, you know, becoming zombies and and such. And then, you know, things popping out at you. And then, of course, hell, you know, yeah. reaching open. And then, you know, don't go don't go into the old hotel room and the hotel room keeps, you know, ringing the bell or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, one one of the two things we didn't mention the the score and the beyond is, is yeah you mentioned it. incredible um the one of the things that Fulci is great at i did briefly mention his westerns anytime his movies can turn into action he just runs wild with it and uh, there's definitely a scene in the hospital where ju- there are just shitloads of zombies uh and the shooting starts and it does not let up until a certain character yeah. that you don't think is going to get it gets it, and the way that that happens is just spectacular. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. That was the beyond. This is the part where Brendan was going to do his top 10. Unfortunately, he ran out of time. He did leave us with a list. Uh, He did not give us an order, so I'm going to try to figure that out best I can, knowing him. Number 10, Blood Rage. John Gizmer, 1987. Uh, We have talked about this one on the podcast for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's one of the few Thanksgiving horror movies. And this is the one that's known for the line, it's not cranberry sauce. Pretty straightforward story. It's about two identical twins. One is confined to a nuthouse, and the other one might or might not actually be the evil twin. Uh, Straightforward slasher, little bit of sleaze. It's definitely off the wall. A lot of fun. Highly recommended. I believe it's on Tubi. 
Uh, number nine, we have Chopping Mall, which Frank and I were talking about a little bit. It's a Jim Wynorski sci-fi horror about killer robots. And uh, this one is just absolutely bonkers. Definitely worth a look. Number eight, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Tom McLaughlin, 1986. This is the quintessential zombie Jason. Uh, this one is usually everyone's favorite if they like zombie Jason better. I'm not the biggest fan of this movie. I think it's kind of the PG-13, Friday the 13th. Uh, that being said, I don't hate it. You know, it is still a lot of fun. Uh, this one brings in the Tom Matthews, Tommy Jarvis, which, you know, everybody seems to like him the best besides Corey Feldman. Um, this is the one with the James Bond Jason intro, which we have talked about, and it's just ridiculous. Uh, number seven, Halloween 2, 1981, Rick Rosenthal and John Carpenter. Frank and I also covered this one. Uh, go listen to that part of the podcast because we definitely did this one justice. Number six, we have Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. 1984, Joseph Zito. Uh, if people aren't diehard fans of Friday 6, this one is everybody's favorite, except me, but of course, I love it too. This is the Crispin Glover one. Uh, it's got the kid from Last American Virgin. It's got the twins, and it's got Corey Feldman. It's also got uh, Gordon, the suicidal dog. Uh, this movie is just a lot of fun. It's probably the best of the cast, knowing... Brendan and his thoughts on this movie. This one is kind of like that, you know, real Teen Titans feel, New Mutants feel with the kids. Uh, you really get to know and care about the characters. And from all the behind the scenes on the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, they all just had an absolute blast. I know a lot of cast did not like their experiences. This one, they had a great time. Uh, movie is a lot of fun. And of course, they brought back Tom Savini to do the iconic effect when they finally killed Jason. Uh, number five, we have Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers, uh, 1988, Dwight Little. Uh, this is one that Brendan and I have covered. We actually did a triple threat review with, I think it was Halloween 2, Halloween 4, and then H2O. Uh, go and look for that. You know, we all are fans of this movie, myself, Brendan, Sarah, Frank, uh, we did cover it a little bit. You know, the, the ending of this movie is definitely, I would say, the most iconic in the franchise outside of the original. You know, everybody thinks the day is saved, and then there's an upstairs crisis, and then we find out it was little Jamie Lloyd with the scissors. And, of course, Dr. Loomis's first impulse is to just shoot her. Uh, this one, you know, Loomis has never been crazier. He blows up a gas station. He's going on the, the road trip with the crazy preacher from hell and uh, basically does almost as much destruction as Michael. Uh, number four, we have Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, 1982, Tommy Lee Wallace. This is one that Brendan and I have definitely covered. I believe we did it either last Halloween or the one before that. Uh, we are both huge, huge fans of this movie, of Tom Atkins. Um, it's just a bizarre little movie. You know, will it have more favor if it wasn't part of the Halloween franchise? Hindsight is 2020. I think the movie is good on its own. Uh, you do have to like really off-the-wall, campy sci-fi, though. If you're not into that, you will not enjoy it. 
Uh, number three, we have The Beyond, 1981, Lucio Fulci. Uh, we just had our podcast clip of The Beyond, and Brendan was on that, so you can get his full thoughts there. Number two, The Shining, 1980, Stanley Kubrick. Um, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit with Frank. I know it was on a couple of the different lists. You know, The Shining is just probably the most iconic 80s horror movie in terms of, not normies, but just, you know, it's, it's ingrained even in the mainstream. Everyone knows The Shining. Um, you know, obviously... You have Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance just giving the performance of his life that's not the Joker. Um, You have, you know, the kid doing the red rum thing becomes a meme. You still have, like, the Simpsons parodying that how many years later. Um, You know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes controversy and conspiracy with the movie going back to the whole moon landing thing. You know, the, the Shining has been homaged and parodied and pretty much everything, horror, non-horror. Uh, it's definitely a great haunted hotel movie. It's got some incredible establishing shots, interior shots. Uh, I mean, what else could be said about The Shining? Not much by me while I'm sleep-deprived and trying to get through this list. So if somehow you haven't seen it, go and check it out. And number one, Frank and I covered, uh, again, everybody pretty much mentioned this one, The Thing, 1982, John Carpenter. I mean, we've said everything that you could possibly say about it. Um, I would say if you haven't seen it, go and do so immediately. You know, there are fun uh, theory vids on, on YouTube of who was The Thing at what time and when. Everybody has their take on the ending. But like Frank said, it's two guys just freezing to death, and it doesn't matter which one's the thing, because when it's lights out, that's the end. Uh, So speaking of the end, this was a massive, massive show. As you can hear, I no longer have a voice, and it's totally worth it. Um, This is now my birthday, so I couldn't think of a better way to spend my birthday. I want to give very special thanks to everybody who contributed. Uh, Of course, Mr. Frank Stout Jr., Uh, his lovely lady, Roxanne. It was very nice to finally meet the two of them, even if it was over the podcast. Um, I will, of course, give a shout-out to my lovely wife and the ordeal that she went through. Uh, Big, big props to our MVPs, Justin and his Sarah. Not the fake Sarah, don't worry. And, uh, you know, they really stepped up and did some lists for people who weren't around. Justin, I'm sorry, one of your other ones got cut, but uh, I didn't think it was going to work, so we could talk about that later. Uh, and Brendan, I'm, I'm sorry you couldn't be here, but as always, we thank you for being a part of the B-Team and for giving us a list. Uh, so that will do it for us. I want to wish everybody a very happy Halloween. Uh, whatever you're doing, stay safe, have fun, and drink responsibly. But... And, you know, it's uh, it's the season of evil. So enjoy it. (laughs)